mind. Perfect. Here's the debate. We'll take it. You can just bring it up. They're saying we believe you. This is it? This looks like he belongs in Phoenix in the house. Seriously. All right. I got a great story about him. Who, him? Yeah. Is this an advanced copy, right? All right, here we go. Episode number 143 with the one and only Dave Rubin in the house. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing well. I feel like we did a show already in the five minutes that I've been sitting <laughs> here. We right. did about a three-hour show That's in five right. minutes, so we are ready this morning. Yes, we talked about a lot of things. Excited to be, uh, uh, well, I think you can't yet read the book, but you can order the book right now. His book's coming out. Don't uh, Burn This Country. The last book he wrote, Don't Burn This Book, was a New York Times bestseller. Uh, Dave, you probably do one of the best uh, shows uh, on YouTube with the Ruben Report, your interview style. You bring everybody from both sides, and I think you're very, very another one of those voices that's very necessary today. Well, I appreciate that, and I can throw that compliment right back at you. I've seen some of your interviews where you're talking with people that you obviously disagree with. And by the way, that shouldn't be that revolutionary, right? Mm -hmm. it, it shouldn't be. I will be totally honest. I mean, it's gotten harder to do mm -hmm. over the years. So if you watch the trajectory of my show over, say, the seven years that I've been doing interviews, it's gotten more difficult to talk to lefties because something happened to the left. The, the old school liberals, sort of the Bill Maher liberals, there aren't as many of them anymore. The willing to agree to disagree and hey, let's let's go our separate ways after talking about some stuff. We don't have to destroy each other. That's gotten much harder with the modern progressive. So I try still to reach out when I can, uh, but I'm also interested in building things, and I'm not so interested in just talking about the stuff anymore. So I've I've shifted more into the to the business side of all of this. So I'll talk to these people, but it, but it has gotten more difficult, and I'm I truly I'm not as interested as I used to be. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I'm well, not. So why is that? Is it because you don't think change can happen, or is it just because, no, because you already I, feel like you've had all the conversations? I feel in some ways, well, you know this as an interviewer, you can talk about things a certain amount of times, and then you have to start doing some things, too. So that's where I started a tech company in the middle of this, because I was concerned about all the free speech stuff related to big tech and all that. But it was also that you know the, the woke ideology has become so entrenched and deep and cult-like, I would say, that I'm actually not that interested anymore in trying to convince those people that they're wrong. Over time, I think as a lot of them grow up and learn about reality and have a little understanding of what humanity is, some of them will come along, uh, but I'm more interested in strengthening people that are doing good things. It's one of the reasons I love living in Florida now after three months. It's like, we've got this guy DeSantis who, look, I don't want a king, but this is the guy who's walking right through the fire mm. right now. He, you know, we live in Florida. This is the tip of the spear of freedom. It's like we got a chance to model this thing across the country. So I'm much more interested in promoting good ideas than just having the retread conversations about why socialism is bad or communism mm -hmm. is bad or whatever. Not to say those things aren't valuable and you can wake up a certain amount of people, but I'd rather sort of blaze new trails into, hey, there's better ideas out there and go do something with your life. Dave, what was the tipping point for you to leave California? Like, if you were to say, I, well, I, the tipping point was five years ago, but I finally made a decision today, or was it like COVID, I'm done, I'm sick of it, let's start looking at different places, and then you looked at Tennessee, Texas, and Florida, and you said, I'm going to go to Florida. What was yeah, it? so I moved to L.A. in 2013. Uh, we had about 1000 bucks. From New York? Or from, where were you? from New York. So I'm okay. a true New Yorker, born in Brooklyn, grew up in Long Island. I went to SUNY Binghamton. I lived in Manhattan most of my life. So really, the only two places as an adult that I've lived until these last three months were New York City and LA. And yet the ideas that I talk mm -hmm. about 
are the stuff that people care about in the middle of the country. So I don't know what right. happened. I don't know what happened. I had these two coasts and somehow my ideas kind of kind of came to the and middle. And when you moved from New York to LA, did you come with that New York, you know, coastal ideology to LA? Oh yeah, I was I was okay. a lefty. I, I exactly. worked I worked for the Young Turks. I was a Bernie supporter. All, all of that. All that. All that stuff. It's all it's <laughs> true all of it as uh, as Han Solo cake. said. Yeah, it was all true. Um but there were a couple moments. I mean, look, the the 2 years of COVID demolished Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a shell of itself. Hollywood has been destroyed. The, the, okay, so I could do all the basic stuff, the crime, the homelessness, the drug. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what the final moment was, the final straw. And I had been thinking about it for about a year, uh, back and forth. Could I do it? Where was I going to go? Nashville, mm-hmm. Dallas, et cetera. Uh, I campaigned with Larry Elder for the for the recall. So I was opening on stage with him and tor- you know going out there and meeting people, and it was amazing. It was incredible. You know, they called him the black face of white supremacy. That's mm-hmm. what the LA, the Times, LA Times article, yeah. The, the Which guy, felt like an Onion headline, by the way, or a Babylon <laughs> Bee headline. Onion isn't even <laughs> yes. that good. Um, the young woman who threw an egg at him in the gorilla mask. That always, I thought always. Somehow the me. media didn't pick that one up. You know, it's like, yeah. it's it was just extraordinary. Anyway, I'm out there with this guy, and there was such energy. I met so many good people. They were not far right. They weren't even conservatives. Most of them were liberals. They were California liberals who were mugged by reality. They were just good, decent people who suddenly their restaurants were closed, their kids were locked down, yeah. all of this stuff. Anyway, the recall obviously was a disaster. And three days after the recall, you want the exact moment? Your yes, head is, your mind is going to explode. Three days after the recall, I got audited by the state. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. And I said, we Have are Have you leaving. ever been audited before? I've never been audited okay. before. My, my stuff's all clean. It, all, sure, it was course. all fine. Yeah. Uh, we take very good care of all, all my businesses. Um, three days after, got that immediately. Like literally, I think I hung up the phone and I called my real estate agent. I said, "Get me out of here," and we put the we did the house privately. I was sold it in three weeks, basically, and then I had to really quickly figure out. I always felt huh. that it was going to be Florida, uh, but you know, I, I loved the the Blaze guys, and I do some stuff with them and Glenn Beck, and Glenn really wanted me in Dallas, so I had a little moment of that. I love the Daily Wire guys and Candace and Ben, and so I did look at one house in Nashville. But I am so happy to be here, and and I'm I'm, I'm really like. As I said, I'm born here. I feel you feel it here in yeah. Florida. It's free and you it's good. You said <laughs> something prior to shooting. You said I love Florida. I don't. I don't. Yeah. You could curse if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was an F in there. there I, yeah, no, I, I F in love Florida. It's it's not just it's not just the the politics of it that that's good. It's what it's doing to the people. Uh, you know, I don't know when the last time you guys just went back to New York or went to Cali or just went to some of these blue cities. He's from Cali. And yeah. I, yeah. No, I know. So but I don't know. Have you been there just in the last couple months? Oh, like, yeah. I went to L.A. to shoot a PragerU video about a month ago. I said to my guys, I will fly in, go to the studio and get me the hell out of there. Even though the PragerU studio is a half mile from my house, I guess it would have been nice to go look at it yeah. again or something. It was a disaster. I got asked for a vaccine passport to go to Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, just everything about it, 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 it's rotten. And then even just the greenery, the greenery in Florida is beautiful and wonderful in the trees. And then you go to L.A. and everything's dying and dead and brown. It's oh. what the hell? Am I being clear this? about this? Uh, yeah, I'm I think very you, happy here. And yeah, I, I think, don't like that place. And by the way, what was the reason why you chose Florida over Dallas and uh, Nashville? You know, it's partly, I think, because of my... Well, first off, I have some family here, and we hadn't had been in a state with family for a long time. Most I'm from New York, as I said, so most of my family is East Coast. Makes my sense. folks have a place in Florida. My sister lives in Miami with her husband and kids. 
Uh, also, because of the tech side of things, obviously Miami is just mm -hmm. exploding right now in the tech world. So I wanted to mm -hmm. be close to that. But at a political level, you know, for me as someone that came from the left and, you know, I have mostly libertarian views, but I don't mind cons calling myself a conservative now. There's a wide thing right, ha right now happening on the right. You know, you got the disaffected lefties and the libertarians. Then you've got the, you know, sort of evangelical or the Christian conservatives. There really is this movement of trying to figure out, can this thing really hold? Because there are a lot of people that have different beliefs, serious beliefs, that are very different. I felt the, the stuff that I care about the most, it's working here in Florida. Meaning it's a little more of a secular conservatism as opposed to you go to Nashville or you go to Texas, it's a little more religious. That's not necessarily my thing. I felt that the ideas that I really care about can flourish a little bit more mm -hmm. here. So it was it was a series of things. And, you know, the weather is good and all that stuff. Ta yeah. Tell him you, well, the reasons you wanted to go yeah, to Florida. Well, he was yeah, from well, L.A. He was in Dallas. Oh, I mean, he's got some very good strong well, I Listen, up. I knew we were moving out of L.A. in 2012, 2013 when he moved to Plano. And he moved to Plano. He says, you got to start. Plano's beautiful. Yeah, so yeah. he says, you got to start looking into Texas. I'm also a California refugee. I came in 13 to Texas. Yeah. And look at us. Look yeah, at us look at us now. Yeah, I, came to, I came to Florida in 1980, guys. So, when he was know, born. I was born here. <laughs> He's so. from Miami. Nice try, fellas. <laughs> no, but, 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 you know, so at that time, I started looking at everything. But being Middle Eastern, everybody, it's tough to leave your family, mom, dad, sister, friends, restaurants. Things you're kind of went to Glendale High School. So do I want to leave this, you know, relationships I got? And I started looking at it. I said, nope, I cannot build an insurance company being headquartered out of California. No way in the world. So I looked at Central. For me, it was important to go to Texas because I travel a lot. We have a couple hundred, 150 offices nationwide. So if I'm going to L.A., three hours, three hours, three hours, yep. three hours. Florida would have been six and back in the time difference. L.A. would have been six and back in time difference. So Dallas made the most sense because I was traveling a ton. If somebody's building a national business, I don't think Florida or California makes sense. I think the best spot to be in is a Dallas, is a Houston, is an Austin, if you travel a ton. And then so when we moved to Houston, we moved to Dallas. We lived in Plano for a few years. And then we were right by Addison. Our headquarters was in Addison. And then gradually when COVID hit, I started looking. I said, we got to look at Tennessee, Nashville. I lived in Tennessee for two years when I was in the Army. And I said, we're either going to stay here in Dallas but then I love the water. I love the water, yeah. the ocean, California. Yeah. I mean, I just love that, right? Yeah. And I said, listen, if California and Texas had a baby, it would be Florida. So I said, that was the best combination to come to Florida. And we've been here now for, what, 14 months, 13 months, 14 months, and I'm in love just as much <laughs> as you are. I got to tell you. So people always say to me, do you, is there anything you don't like? I honestly cannot think of anything. Yes, I could complain about the traffic a little bit, but I lived in New York and yeah. L.A., yeah. so no, I'm not going to. Is there anything? Anything. So, okay, let's, let's do it. Let's be. Yeah. So, okay, we haven't really experienced a hurricane yet. Okay, so I don't know what a hurricane looks like. I've been through yeah. tornado. I've been through wars. I've been through earthquakes. Yeah, okay, we'll see what the hurricane. At least hurricane mm -hmm. gives you a warning. Earthquake does not. Tornadoes don't give you too much of a warning. Hurricane, you know, for two or three days that something's coming, right? Plus, it was uh, raining fire in L.A. I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Fire, well, right. Dave, I'm yeah. gonna, you moved here Speaking January? Speaking yeah. The iguanas. you yeah. got to give iguanas, iguanas the credit. Are, they, they got, iguanas are not vicious, but... I want to revisit this exact conversation in August. In August and September, I get it. My hair is going to be a little flatter. Uh, I get a it. lot flatter, I Dave. I get it. Okay, so if there's uh, nine months out of the year, this is the best place to be in the world. Period. Full stop. Yeah. Three months out of the year, 
Go anywhere else. That's my opinion. So I every summer I that. would travel. I was I here for that. And it's I hot as hell you, here. That's what I'm it saying. It did not bother yeah. me when I was here for that. Well, you're from me around, Pat. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, it's a good point right there. So, you know, I'm at a party with Pat. It was last year at the Bitcoin conference. Uh, it was in June last year. And it was hot out. We were at that party outdoors. People are sweating. Pat's wearing a, a jacket. Yeah, yeah. Like, zero. I'm like, this guy can withstand anything. It's chilly, so man. Can, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You want to take the jacket out, Pat? I'm good. Yeah. So if you could withstand the heat, like with anything, look, you could take look, the heat. The you forget about the weather. What was that conference about? That was about a mayor of a major United States city coming out and in favor of crypto and trying mm-hmm. to attract uh, innovators and, and entrepreneurs to come to his yeah. to come right. to his city. Yeah. Shout out to Suarez. So forget about the exactly. Mayor Suarez is another reason that Florida is so wonderful. I grew up here. I had I had about four years here in high school. My dad's job moved us here, but I was born and raised in California, basically. And we were here, there was a uh, Republican governor. His name was Bob Graham. Mm-hmm. But if you take a look at like a one to 10, and a 10 is Barry Goldwater, and a one is Bernie, Bob Graham was like exactly a five. And he mm-hmm. was trying to build jobs. He was trying to be not so tourist and transitory, you know, the snowbirds. And so the seeds of this went of Florida, I think, go back to 1980. And there is guys like Charlie Crist and now DeSantis that have been faithful to it. And they haven't screwed it up by trying to go way one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the benefits. And then a Suarez rises up, fantastic Hispanic mayor representing every kid that can wake up in Miami in the morning and say, I could be mayor. I could be mayor. Look at that. You know, I was at an event uh, last night at uh, Keith Raboy's house, and you know Keith was the one that mm-hmm. originally sent the tweet that Suarez responded, "How can yep. I help?" Which basically caused the the influx. I mean, I would say part part of the reason I'm here is because of that. So I was at this event at, at Raboy's last night, and Suarez was there, and he gave a talk, and I'm standing there watching the guy, and I've met him a couple times. I, I interviewed him once, and I'm thinking, man, this is so the reverse, 180 reverse of what I was dealing with in L.A. Eric Garcetti Garcetti was destroying, actively destroying. And we can go, okay, were the intentions good or not? That's an interesting conversation. I don't think the intentions are good, actually. Mm -hmm. I think they are intentionally doing this stuff. But I'm listening to Suarez, and he's talking about how they want to be this international city that will be the hub of crypto and the new economy, and they want to be 30 years ahead of America when it comes to all of this other stuff. And because the federal government is so screwy, we just have to do what we think is right. And then last week, I I did a PragerU event where where, uh, DeSantis spoke, and all DeSantis says is basic honesty. It's not that he's out there saying the most crazy stuff that's riling people up in reality. He's basically saying honest, decent stuff, mm-hmm. which is revolutionary in 2022. Mm. And it's just such a stark difference, man, from, from L.A. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. Yeah. What was this event last night at Keith's house? What was it? Uh, he just had like a little salon yeah. for Bitcoin conference. Cool. So it was a lot of the, the tech bros. and that Was our whole, good friend Jack scene. Abraham there? I don't know okay. that Jack well, Abraham he, you know, was You there. know Jack. The Pomp. Oh, the pomp was yeah, there. The pomp was, there. was there. The pomp shows up in shorts. Everyone else, everyone, I'm feeling exactly. very, I'm feeling very underdressed <laughs> today. But the, everyone else is yeah. decked well, out. We had dinner with pomp the other night. Yeah. He's the yeah. only person in shorts. I love pomp. He's and, a, he's and, a great guy. Uh, Jack, because uh, he can. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Adam's got a. Anyways, we were at this place, and it's twelve of us. A, a friend of mine, Ken Golden, the owner of Golden Auctions, who sold forty-one million dollars of cards, collectible cards, last month, Damn. is what he did. Yeah. 
and they're showing I, I, are you telling me I shouldn't have sold my baseball car collection? no you shouldn't have you should <laughs> 1987 to my buddy on, Evan for 400 bucks the whole thing I, had Pete, I think I had Pete Rose rookie or get out of here get I, out I of here I had Pete Rose 73 MVP wow. I wonder what that's worth right now yeah. well it depends everything's about grading right now but we're, we're sitting there having dinner and Ken's trying to get me to uh, uh, bid on these two pieces he has one of them is a Jackie Robinson game worn jersey from the 30s for 10, 10 million, million bucks. dollars and then he had a uh, he had a uh, uh uh, uh, was it Superman Comic, issue number yeah. one yeah. for oh, ten million, and that's ten million as well. Issue number one. It was a graded eight and a half. Wow. But I did make a, a, a few bids on what the Willie Mays rookie, the the Leo Messi rookie, and the '86 Fleer box that we had on. But anyways, one guy sitting here, we're having dinner, and he says, "Yeah, I, I have a, one of the Holy Grail cards." Okay, what do you have? He says, "I have a Honus Wagner SGC five. Oh, that's like it, right? Isn't that the yeah. card? That's but an SGC five. I said, "How much is an SGC five? So it's about twenty five million bucks." Okay, cool. So he's got a $25 million yeah. SGC5. Uh, in the corner, SGC3, Hannes Wagner, T206. Everybody there had card collections. And then Pomp shows up. And Pomp's not a card guy. Yeah. Pomp's a Bitcoin maximalist. Yeah. Well, maybe 90% mm-hmm. he is, right? And he starts, and he shows up in his black shorts. Black shorts. And his black, black shorts. Shirt. That's his suit. That's his He's suit. a cool dude, though. Man. Really yeah, cool cat. Guy. Really cool cat. But uh, you're going to see him in those meetings. He'll come in and pop in and pop out. But we had your friend here two weeks ago, Cenk. We had him on. I don't yes, know my good buddy. Yeah. We had him on. The, We're like Gilligan ago. and the Skipper. Yeah, so. <laughs> I like how you slow play when you talk about him. Very slowly. But, yes. But, we, but, but you, you know, you, the reason why I bring that up is the following reason. Yeah. Here's why I bring it up. So. The question I got, Joe and I were talking, uh, 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 Rogan and I were talking over the week. Uh, over the week. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I look at politics and I look at what's pulling what more and who's winning. Okay. So imagine the people on the right are like, no, you guys are going far too left. And the left is like, no, no, you guys are going far too right. You got to come more to the left, right? Okay. So Jenk goes from a, say he's a Republican, to an independent, to a Democrat, to a Bernie super left, right, is what he goes. I have a very hard time understanding that evolution, that you go that far left as you age, and his arguments are solid arguments on some of the ones that he makes for his side. I'm like, okay, fine, that's your argument, I get it, hey... You know, the only mistake America made is when they gave $465 million to Elon Musk, they should have bought a piece of the company and had equity in it. Okay, cool. So nationalized, that's the argument. Let's have more companies be owned by the government and we regulate it and uh, they can't make more money. Than I completely others. disagree with the argument. I but do I get, as well. I get your point. I yeah, do as, but I get, I, but, but yeah. his method of making the argument, I'll say, okay, yeah. see, I'll see how you're going to it. But who's winning today? And this is a question to everybody, by the way. Tyler, think about this as well. Tom, I'm coming to you as well. You've been around longer than we have. Who's winning today? Is, is the right pulling people more to the right winning today? Is the center holding this thing? Are they being tilted to the left or tilted to the right? Or is the left winning more trying to drag people to their side? You want to, you want to hit that one Tom, first? Tom, why don't you, you go first? You've been around longer. Quick, no, I'll give you. Yeah, thank you very much for that, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that. Um, A little the, deference um, here, you know? Age before beauty is what he's trying to say, Tom. <laughs> All right, can I answer eventually? The, um, so I look at a couple things, and just real, real quick, I've been looking at um, differentials in voter registrations for the last like three months. And there is, you're seeing it in college students. You're nodding. You know some of the data I'm talking about. I definitely know the Florida version. It's about 5% ahead for um, independents and Republicans right now versus Dems. And even if you take the independents out, 
which you would understand why a lot of people are jumping to the middle like that. You still have Republicans are ahead on voter registrations right now going into the midterm election. So I think that is a sign of what's kind of winning as the new voters are registering. Let me add one thing on that, which is the Florida numbers, and you guys can check me as I'm saying it so I get the numbers roughly right. But uh, I heard DeSantis say this last week, that Florida basically before him had a 200,000 deficit on the Republican side in terms of registered voters. I think they're up 80,000 now. That's two ways so, to split. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's a huge, we can check the exact yeah. numbers, but that's a huge, huge shift right there. That, so that's one thing. I would also say that the, you know, the left-right thing sort of doesn't make sense anymore because Trump came in and crushed the system to a point that people who were traditionally conservative started sounding like liberals. Liberals started, especially now, sound like the craziest authoritarians. So left-right doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to me anymore in the in the specific sense. I usually try to say, you're either authoritarian or libertarian. And what I mean by that is, you're not a libertarian, meaning I'm a card-carrying member of the Libertarian Party and mm-hmm. I run around naked on stage you know, demanding that nobody has driver's licenses. But you either believe in individual liberty you can figure out the best way to live your life and the government should basically stay out of the way and do some minimal stuff and that's it. Or you believe in the machine. You believe that some machine, if we just gave it enough money and enough power and enough purview over all of our ability to think and act and everything else, that somehow us giving all of that power to that thing could somehow govern us better than we can actually govern ourselves. So that makes more sense to me rather than left, right, or, or Democrat versus Republican because none of JFK would be a Republican now. No question about he it. He would be yeah. a Republican. He was cutting taxes. <clears throat> he was anti-war, mm-hmm. right? He, he, had, he was a patriot. Um, he was hated by the machine, and maybe mm-hmm. the machine killed him. You talked to Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. like, so, so those, the whole thing has shifted in a really bizarre way. But to answer who, who's winning, um, I think the right broadly, if we're just using the right-left thing, uh, is, is really starting to win. I think the woke thing is so out of control. The, this nonsense, don't say gay stuff, the critical race stuff. They're attacking people's children now. It was one thing to lock people in their homes, confuse them about economics, all of that stuff. But when you see cities burning and the riots that we had, by the way, we don't, you know, it's really odd. Since Trump left, we don't have race riots anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost as if there maybe was some coordination with someone. Yeah. I don't know, is this Alex Jones level <laughs> stuff, yeah. you know? Um, but I think they've gone so far on everything, so far on everything. A Supreme Court justice nominee can't say what a woman is. It's so bananas that I think average people are just like, I've had enough of this. And, and what that leaves you with is what I say on my show all the time. You don't have to be a Republican, but you cannot be a Democrat. I think that's basically where we're at. Dave, so for you, when you talk about your story and your transitioning, you talk about Sam Harris and Bill Maher and Ben yeah. Affleck. So that's one of when they had to do Muslim. No, you, who are you? Are you now the say all be all and you know yeah. everything about this? Well, You're I kind of am overqualified yeah. to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> and then you say Larry Elder, which you and Larry Elder sat down and said, you know, there is a little bit of racism. Tell me what. Tell yeah. me what. Tell me the data. Tell me the data with this. There was this many, 15,000, 7,000 black on black. Tell me what they did. And you're like, well, you know, but tell me. You ask the question and you come. So that yeah. was an interesting moment. And then you also, uh, in regards to the topic with atheists, you know, well, Jordan Peterson kind of influenced, you know, maybe oh, yeah. not being an atheist. Okay, so we're all influenced by certain people that change our beliefs, all yeah. of us. I am, you are, well, we all are. Who influenced Jenk when you saw the process to go from Republican to independent to them? To Bernie, how does that influence take place? So first, let me just say, 
broadly speaking about jank, which I, you know, I don't really do. I really don't. I'm happy to. I said to you yeah. right before we started, yeah. we can talk about absolutely anything. It's totally <clears> fine. They've done a gajillion videos lying about me and, and maligning me and all this stuff. You can. I've never done a video about them. Period. Since I left, not one. Um, so I just want to put that out there. It's just because like there's a little bit of yeah. asymmetry. It just doesn't matter to me. I, I was part of something. It didn't end well. I think seeing that sort of hysteria and that that moment with Sam yeah. and everything, it really did wake me up. So I'm grateful for that. You know, it's one of those things. I look back, I don't think that fondly of the whole experience, but man, it woke me up and life's been good since and I evolved and that's all good. So to answer your question specifically, by the time I got there in 2013, he was already a lefty and a Bernie guy. So I don't know that much about his shift from Republican or conservative, let's yeah. say in college, to what got him there. But I think what you said before is right. It's really hard to track a human being that goes in that direction as they get older. Meaning most people, you become more conservative, meaning you start realizing that life is sort of up to you, that you, know, you, that you don't want that much interference in your life, all of those things. And as a businessman, which I suppose he purports to be a businessman, I mean, he's running a network, it really makes no sense because you want low taxes so that you can invest more. I mean, look what, look what you guys have built. Mm -hmm. Freaking extraordinary. So you would want all of the ideas that I started to come around to, the more libertarian conservative ideas, I just started putting them into my life. So when Larry Elder smacked me around that day, that started a process, even though we were talking really about race, it started a process that got me reading Thomas Sowell books and then ultimately interviewing Thomas Sowell, which is probably the greatest thrill of my career. Um, it started It started a process of opening myself up to these ideas. And then it, and then the path is kind of is kind of obvious. You just go down that path. Someone that goes the other way, I just don't understand how you get older and you're like, no, no, the system mm -hmm. should do it more for us or no, the government needs more of our money or any of those things. I will say this. I, honestly, I haven't watched a show of his in years. I don't know that he really believes it in his heart of hearts. I don't. Yeah. So I asked this question because I'm wondering. The only way I think somebody goes further that side is someone offended you. Okay. Someone must. <laughs> someone. Someone right. must. Have, and, and by the way, listen. Reagan was offended. If you think about why Reagan. Reagan was partly offended. If you really study the story of Reagan, he was offended. If you study the history of, and I know I don't want to drop Reagan and Hitler in the same name. Hitler was offended. You got. You know, Elizabeth Warren was offended. A lot of people were offended. It's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you did. And then you go do it. But you don't necessarily know if you're doing the right thing just because the person that offended you. So you're flipping no matter what. That offense could be a mom, could be a dad, could be an ex, could be a friend, could be a coworker, could be a former investor, could be a lot of different things. Uh, in that moment when you're offended, I think if you react too emotionally, you may all of a sudden pick up belief systems that are not aligned with you. And then what oozes out is bitterness. And when bitterness oozes out, I, I don't want to, you know, we have a hard time. We all got relatives and we're bitter. At some phase of our lives, we've sure. probably been bitter. It's like people are like, listen, I just don't like to be around you lately. Why? Because I don't know. It feels like everybody's upsetting you. Your fuse is yeah. so short. I'm like, man, am I really like that? Bro, it's hard to be around you lately, man. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Well, thank you for telling me that. And we kind of figure out a way to improve. Because I do think, Jenk uh, 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 and I have never had dinner before. We've never gone out before. We've never done anything like that before. Uh, we had we simply that was our first sit down. We've never hadn't had a conversation prior to that. Um, I walked away and I said, "This is a this guy's got a great processor. He's very witty. He's fast. Mm -hmm. he, he he knows how to troll you and poke because he's an expert at doing that." 
This guy, uh, uh, I don't know if he, maybe he needs to have the moment that maybe you had. I don't know. Well, Again, well, I'm, I'm speculating, but I, I actually think <clears throat> you're making a great point on the offense part. And could something be so personal that causes your whole way of thinking yeah. to crack? I think the Sam moment that you brought up. I remember. I mean, I was working there at the time, and I was having my wake up call at that moment when I saw that real time moment. Like that was all my frustrations with what the left was becoming because I was working for these guys, and everybody that disagreed with them was a racist and a bigot mm-hmm. and a homophobe. And I was like, none of this makes sense. It can't be yeah. that we're all so right, us lefties. We're so right about everything, and not only are we so right, but everyone who we disagree with is literally the worst person in the world. <laughs> so that moment woke me up, right. and then. You may have seen it. Sam came to the studio. Oh yeah, did this three-hour conversation. Sam sits there quietly, calm. Nice With Jenk, you're saying, oh, yeah. yeah, and Jenk is sweating, and the papers yeah. are flying all over the place. And there's a moment. I think it's that moment 19. If people want minute 19, if people want to see it, where Sam says something about probability theory, and Jenk basically says, "I don't believe in it." It, that's like saying you don't believe in gravity. I mean, it, it's real whether you mm-hmm. believe it or not. It's it's happening yeah. right now. But I think yeah, that thing kind of broke him in a in a bizarre way, and that really was that was the beginning of the end for me. That was in the fall of I think 2014, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and I left in January of 2015 because I, at that moment I was like, I can't work for this guy anymore. I just I was already shifting politically, but it's not easy to just give up your job. I wasn't making right. a lot of money, but it was like it was my job. Um, but over those months, I was just like, enough, enough's enough. Can I say something that I learned about Jenk? Because I haven't watched uh, the Young Turks in years and years and years. Um, that guy's an emotional dude. Yeah. Okay. And if there's anything that I've learned from being, you know, sitting right next to Pat for the last few years, it's to try to try your best to be more logical than emotional. Yeah. And, um, what we learned about number one, I thought he was a cool dude. Like, I think we could go have a beer with that guy, watch a sports game, like actually kick it with the guy. Would you disagree? There's a big difference between a relationship like that until you make the transition into mm-hmm. money and boss. And that I'm not even saying yeah. a work relationship. Okay, yes, yeah, I agree. Like if we yes. went to dinner and we watched yeah. a game, I think sure. Cool yeah, I, sure. I, yes, I, yeah. I went to his house to watch yeah. basketball games. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, um, you know, so I try cause I'm, I've, like the transition that you've gone through, Dave, yeah. I'm going through. I, I know the story well. Okay. I'm so here to I'm finish the through. job, by the Thank way. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I was Jack is helping him out, though. Jack is helping him out. But a lot of it is, you know, logical and stuff that you've been, you know, fed for years and years and years. It's not like, you know, like Candace Owens. She went through something very similar, the red pill, black, all that. I yep. saw your interview with her. Yep. But with Jank, and here's something that he did that I probably wouldn't have done two years ago. When we brought up Trump, Trump's a fucking moron, and he got he got super emotional. And me, who traditionally would have been that person two years ago, was like, Jank, just can I?" That can wasn't I? his style two years ago. No. Yeah. I, I was like, Jank, are yeah. you telling me that it's like he's zero percent done anything right? Like, I'm at least willing to say I'm not a Trump guy at yeah. all, but I'm at least mm-hmm. willing to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. And if there's things that he's done that are that are good that have helped. You know, the country, the the world, whatever, I'm willing to do that. And if there's things that are bad, so it's there's a lot of gray area there. But to be some completely black and white about anything and to what is it like to dig in yep. and double down, uh that's hard to do. And then I'm kinda of, kinda of putting together your timeline. You know, I said he's saying he's a Bernie guy. Well, Bernie didn't really hit the national scene until 2015, 2016. You had left by twenty fourteen or something so, around there. Yeah, twenty so he, 2015. So he probably yeah. was in his methodology at that point, and then boom, Bernie comes along in 2016, and he becomes 
the largest Bernie advocate out there, right? You, but also the part of that that you got to understand is that then the woke part got in too. Yep. Bernie was doing an economic populist thing. You could agree with it or disagree with it. I obviously disagree with it, although some of his br- the broad high-level points make some sense to mm-hmm. me, but the policies of just taxation and more for the government make no sense to me. But the, the deal with the devil that I think the left has done is that they took socialist economics and then they combined it with woke, with what is cultural Marxism, this yeah. idea that right. your, your deficiencies or your immutable characteristics or your whatever you want to call it are the most important thing about you. So they combine something that makes no sense. And that's why they're all so hysterical all the time. But I will tell you uh, one thing on the, on the emotional side of this. So Jenk and I and a whole bunch of guys that worked for TYT used to play basketball every Sunday. Every Sunday from about 7 a.m. to noon, five hours. Nice. Busting our asses. You got some game, Dave? At, I, I'm pretty damn good. Okay. I'm pretty damn good. <laughs> good, good. Actually, you know what? Do you guys play? Uh, yeah. He's, he's very good. Come down. I got a full court at my house. Come down. You got to do. Serious. I, I'm, I'm, pulling, I'm pulling together a great game in Miami. Okay. Anyway, I have a torn ACL on my left knee, though, so I got to play with one of those freaking trap jaw braces. Sucks. But all right. You and Francis Nagano, both yeah. with the torn ACL. He was here yesterday. UFC... I heavyweight did, champion of the world. Is that right? I yeah, did it, believe it or not, I did it the last time I played with Jank. The oh, last wow. time I played with Jank. I was going to block a shot. It was 10 to 10, games to 11. <laughs> it wasn't, oh. it wasn't win by two. Wow. I, and a guy had a breakaway, and I blocked. <clears throat> I did block the shot, but I came down, tore my ACL. That was five years ago. Anyway, oh, uh, but we played this game every Sunday, busting our asses. I loved it. I loved it more than anything else. Like That's where I'm truly at my happiest. And Jenk was the most emotional, screaming, like the worst type of person you would ever want to play basketball. Every call that didn't go his way, screaming, he'd kick the basketball, scream. And I kid you not, it was across the street from a very, very famous church in L.A. I'll, I'll tell you guys off, off uh, yeah. camera because I don't want to say exactly where it was. And twice we played on Sundays. Twice police had to come to the court <laughs> to ask him to stop screaming. <laughs> Because people were going to church on Sunday mornings, yeah. that, so that sort of tells you what you need to know about the overly He's an emotional. emotional dude, part of yes. But it's like a it's like a seventh grader playing basketball. Right. Like you don't when you're an adult and you're all out there like trying to have fun and not basically blow yeah. out our knee or break mm-hmm. our neck. Right. Stop screaming at what everybody. What part of LA you in? Was the basketball court? You're gonna uh, give it away. Uh, yeah, I don't want to fully. I'll, yeah, I'll tell Stop. you guys later. So so but, yeah. but, church at the open door. But listen, I will tell you. I will tell you. Super 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 competitive guy. He's a super competitive guy. And when you're super, super competitive, you there's nobody. If you don't take control of that competitive <laughs> spirit, it's going to get the worst out of you. You got to somehow take control of it uh, and, and learn how to manage that energy. But it is what it is. Appreciate yeah. you for bringing it up. You're going to like playing with this guy because uh, he was one cut away from getting into the NBA. Chauncey Billups' nephew got the position over him to get into the NBA. Literally, true story. Wait, this is literal. This is a literal story. He was on. Uh, I keep, used to be a baller. Yeah. Damn. Now, now Chris I'm Humphreys when when, right. when, oh, when Chris safe. Humphreys married Kim Kardashian, yeah. he was one of the groomsmen. He was on. Yeah. So all he right. know he actually he's the best Jewish athlete in Miami. That's all you need to know. <laughs> so, so I'll tell you, I can't do this one on camera either. But my house that I bought here was owned by an NBA player. That's oh, how. Wow. That's why I got this pretty sick court. Cool. So, uh, he's probably yeah, gonna yeah. know who it is yeah. because. He parties with all those guys yeah. in Miami. So, we'll, anyway, we'll you guys will hook up afterwards, no. and yeah. you guys will do that. So, appreciate you for being a sport and talking about it. I know sometimes. Listen, my, my four things. For four things you do in life that changes the relationship, and you have to be mature to be able to manage it. One, the moment you have sex with somebody changes the relationship. Two, the moment you go into business with somebody it can be your best friend changes the relationship. Three, the moment you travel with somebody and share rooms it changes the relationship. And four, the moment you pay somebody it changes the relationship goes to another level. Tom and I. 
We've traveled together God knows how many years. 15 years we've been traveling together, Tom and I. I need and to point out that we only checked off three. Of the- <laughs> 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 I had like... I had yes. like- <laughs> Tom, Tom, the fourth we yeah. have is... Yeah. It is you're happily married, I'm happily married, so we're like, good. Payment, it's the payment thing. Tom works for free. I, oh, I, had, about, I had about 10 jokes <laughs> rolling through my head. <laughs> and I, I, well so, done. Well done. Anyway, oh, Occasion the biz alcohol job uh, a Okay, so let's let's. Hey, that not that close. there's anything wrong with that. No, you know? not at Thank all. you, Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, exactly. why, why don't we go right into that? Since yeah. since you guys are talking, about, you brought it up a little bit. So New yeah. York's mayor Eric Adams. Ugh. Here's a Huff Post story to Floridians: Come here, where you can say gay. Okay, so that's his marketing campaign. I I, I want to see if you think this is an effective marketing campaign or not. New York City is launching a digital billboard campaign to lure Floridians unhappy with their state. Don't say gay law to the Big Apple. Mayor Eric Adams announced Monday the billboard supporting LGBTQ visibility will be displayed in five major markets in Florida for eight weeks starting Monday. This is the city of Stonewall. This is the city where we are proud to talk about how you can live in a comfortable setting and not be harassed and not be abused, not only as adults, but also as young people. Adams said the announcement came one week after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill into a law that forbids instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. Is this a good marketing campaign? So first off, I had about an hour drive to get here this morning. I did pass a giant gay billboard. Uh, what, what's the main road here? I'm still not... On you know, 95. On, 90, on, on 95. Yeah. We passed a so giant... So you saw this. We saw the gay... I don't know if it was the New York City one. We just It just it was a black billboard, white letters, gay. You're just dry, trying to have gay. zippity doo So... First off, as I'm sure you guys know, uh, and so feel free to stop me if you've already done this a hundred times on the show, this entire bill is completely sensible. There is, it's HB 1557. This is mm-hmm. about not teaching young kids K through three about gender identity and sexuality, but you could have, the media lies about everything. You could have just as easily called it don't say straight because you wouldn't want a straight teacher telling a first grader privately about straight sex or gender identity and then hiding it from the parents. So it's fully about transparency. So it's it's just obvious and decent. And let me just say something else on this, which is that everyone's running around, DeSantis hates gays, blah, blah. I happen to be gay. I am married to a dude, okay? We're having kids. You know what, what showed up at my door two days ago? A package with two, we're having two babies, with two baby onesies from Ron DeSantis Get and his wife, here. okay? He does not hate gay people. At this PragerU event that I mentioned before, I introduced, I said, uh, Governor, this is my husband, David. Big hug, smile, took a picture, congratulations on the kid. This has nothing to do with an assault on gay rights. If DeSantis was saying gay people can't get married, gay people can't work, whatever the litany of stupidity that these people think, of course I would be against it. There's nothing I stand for more than equal rights for everybody. It has no, this is about indoctrinating children, and, and Eric Adams, I mean, the funny thing about him is you thought New York City couldn't get worse under socialist lunatic Bill de Blasio. They, that's what people thought. Mm-hmm. Oh, Eric Adams will clean up the city, clean up the that's crime. That's a lot of people have insane. Nope, yeah. nope. I mean, we, everything's completely collapsing in New York City. What is he talking about? It, none of it works. And I think for you, where, whatever that last 5% that you're trying to shave off now, there's nothing that I have to do. And there's no crazy thing that Jenk can say that will push you any further because entropy will just move you there now. All it's right. just once you see it, you cannot unsee it. They lie about everything. Give me something that the mainstream media has not lied about over the last five years. Brett Kavanaugh is a serial rapist. Trump, very fine people on both sides. 
uh, the the Covington kids, Russia, the Hunter Biden laptop, literally everything that has been a cultural story or an important moment in America, they have lied about. And once you see it, then, then actually you don't become hysterical anymore. One of the reasons people are so hysterical is because the reality that's going on in their brains is disconnected from what the media Doesn't is telling match. them all yeah. the time. Yeah, well, I will say this, yep. and I think the lying also, yes, I agree yeah. fully. Fox doesn't exactly tell the truth all the time either. No, of course not. Okay, yeah. so I'm talking about mainstream, but this is... Why shows like well, he said the, the Rubin Report? Yeah, he said oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This is the show reason why people like Dave Rubin, people like Patrick Bet David, people like Candace Owens, people like Ben Shapiro, people yeah. like Jordan Peters. This is why people who are on the internet are getting Rogan. Hello, are getting so much more attention than traditional legacy media. I I say it on my show almost every day, and I swear to you, I mean this. I truly mean this. If these people would just get better, just don't be completely horrible, because that's what they are, mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. horrible. Yeah. If they would just get a little bit better so that it was tolerable, I am not kidding, I would do something else. I really mean that. I love what I do. I w- I'm sure it's exactly like you. I wake up every morning, I'm psyched, Fired up, yeah. psyched to do what yeah. I do. I love it. I'm enjoying it now more than ever, actually. Mm-hmm. But truly, if, if, if it all started fixing itself, if the machine could reorder itself and it was really doing yeah. something okay. We'd be doing something There's other else. things that I like to do too. And, like and play basketball. Like I, I would <laughs> I would go, at, you know what? I'd be the number one star in the WNBA. <laughs> I'm not kidding, man. 45 years old, torn ACL. Yeah. It's a I'd be contract. scoring 35 points a game in the let WNBA. Me, let, me ask, let me ask you a question. question. Yeah. I, Tom, I don't know if I asked, actually I didn't ask you were not when I asked this question. So how old were you in school when a teacher started teaching about different <laughs> genders, including gay, how old were both of you? Like, what grade was it when sex ed started? And what, what grade was it when you learned, here's what's a lesbian, here's what's gay, here's what's straight, here's what's this, for you in high school? What year was it? Uh, I, I was 16. I was a sophomore. And it wasn't about gender then. It was about straight or gay. That's what it was. Health and guidance? Uh, yeah, it's the class, and they touched on it. Remember, this is sixteen. This is 19, I was sixteen, so it's nineteen seventy-eight, and so it was softly touched on. This is also when Jimmy Carter was causing hurricanes in the economy, <laughs> right? And an ex-Democrat named Ronald Reagan was about to be elected president. People have to remember mm-hmm. Reagan was a Democrat, and he went the opposite course, way yep. that, that our Fred Cenk did. Yeah, and so that, that's that's when you heard about it. And also in Florida, I'll say this: you know what? The, you're talking about dishonesty, um, and, and I'll bridge back to this. There's been a thriving community in Key West and South Beach since I was 16. And it was not in the closet. And it was not some over-the-top, you know, uh, socially inappropriate caricature. It was just a thriving community. That's all it was. And, you know, Greenwich Village, West Hollywood, and San Francisco had nothing on Florida. You know, I think Florida, it's, it's actually been easier to be out since the 70s and 80s. You were here 16 in Florida. So yeah. you, your health and guidance class was in the state of Florida and they taught you about straight and gay. And I, yes, right. And I would okay. notice when we would go down to party or whatever, you would see South Beach and, and Key West. It, it, it wasn't, they weren't closeted. It was, it was, this is who I am and this is our community. You're in our neighborhood here. Mm-hmm. And you would sit there. You go down to um, Key West. Yeah. Sloppy Joe's has been there for a thousand years, you know, the Hemingway Bar. And then when I went, interestingly, 
I go to California. I don't even know these places for the record. You're gonna, you're gonna, oh, you're gonna find out, Dave. Yeah, for I'm, sure. I'm really gay with one guy. That's pretty much it for me. You know, but I, that's great that they have that's their own no bars fun, now. Dave. You know, separate no, no, but equal. No, 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 but the point is, we're talking 70s, 80s, yeah. where it was okay to be out. It wasn't yeah. like quiet. Shh, shh, you're in this neighborhood. No, it wasn't. And then I, I go out to. I go is that out. Studio 54 era or no? But that was more New York City. That's New York, but yeah. it was like you know New York, Florida. It's, it's right. a similar. And so that, but that's what it was. It was 16. You know, there was there. Was there political, you know, people politically ostracized? You know, I think there was a little of that. You're also dealing with the time in Anita Bryant. Here's what I want to know. What, what I'm specifically asking about is what age did you learn in school, straight, gay, sex ed? What age was that? So you said 16, 16. for your floor. What was so I don't know that. Well, I know that I had my first health class in seventh grade with the condom on the banana and yeah. that thing. I don't I honestly don't remember them discussing anything about straight or gay. I don't think mm -hmm. there was, oh, some people are gay. Perhaps there was. I actually have no recollection. But also, what does this have to do with education is the real issue. You know, for putting aside this K through three, uh, third grade thing, which is absolutely insane. As we've watched so many teachers become activists as opposed to teachers, what does this have to do with education? You have kids, I, I four assume, right? Them, yeah. You have four kids. How yeah. old are they? Ten, eight, uh, five, and nine months. Okay. So you are the living perfect example of this. Do your kids go to public or private? Private. You don't mind? Okay. Yeah. And I don't blame you, of course, right? So, But imagine you're, you were sending your kids to public school and your five-year-old, who's kindergarten, right? So mm -hmm. five, kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Imagine you found out that the teacher... Putting aside gay, straight, or anything else, the teacher was having some discussion with your five-year-old about something related to gender or sex or their own relationship or something. It makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense at any level? And what would you do if you found that out? You're going to see a very bad side of me. Yeah, yeah. you'll see the jank side yeah. of you. You, yeah. would, <laughs> you would see the very bad side. I mean, that, that doesn't come out often. But now, is that because you're a bigot or you're a homophobe or you're a... No, uh, that's because that's none of your business to talk to my kids about that age because they're not adults yet. Don't confuse them. Uh, I have to... Yesterday, we're at the house and we're having a debate because uh, the kids had a Batman marathon this weekend. So they started with Batman Begins, then it was the Dark Knight. Oh, the good ones. The Dark Knight, the good ones. The good ones. So Tico is coming telling me his classmate, Yasser, just watched the last Batman that came out, right? The three-hour one. Daddy, I want to watch it. He had a chance to watch it. Why can't I watch it? I said, let me go watch it first. So I watch it. And I said, oh, man, listen. I, okay, we'll watch it together. We're gonna go, so we're going to go watch it together. But it's a discussion that we made as a family yesterday at the dinner. To Tom, you were there when we were talking about it. And yep. Mario was sitting. I said, okay, I'll take these guys. Right? These guys watch Scent of a Woman. If you can watch Scent of a Woman, you can watch a lot of things because that was a great character. So, But going back to what you just said, which is very important, you're saying, why does that even belong in education? Why does that even need? And this is coming from somebody who's, sec who's gay, married. You're saying you're about to have kids, and yeah. you're saying this. So yeah. you're not even imposing saying, no, we need to teach that at this level. It, it just makes no sense. It, 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 everyone knows it. That's the thing. We all know it, and they this is what they do. They get the meme. It's called HB1557. But did any of you know that, actually? You, you knew it? Of course, so, of yeah, Florida, yes. You, right. But most people don't know it. If, if you ask 90% of the American electorate about don't say gay, first, they would tell you something. Almost all of them would tell you something that's not true. But right. they would have no idea what the bill is actually called. And then if you said to them what I just said to you, well, would you want your six-year-old to talk to a state employee about sex and then be allow the state employee to not tell you about that conversation and potentially call that kid another name by, 
everyone would say no. Yeah. And yet we debate this as if it's mm -hmm. honestly something to debate. So, so then you know what this does. So you remember the conversation about the right pulling to the right, the left pulling to the left, and you got the center, and we're talking about how jank yeah. is going. How do you go further to the left as you age and yep. did somebody find all this other stuff? This is where uh, I think common sense prevails, and not with everybody. And you don't need everybody. There's this notion that you need to convert everybody. You do not. You only need to convert... 5% of the population, 8% of the population to go left or right. You don't need the whole world to say you make a lot of sense. And just because somebody is louder than another person, that doesn't mean that's how exactly 70% of America is thinking. 70% of America is sitting there with their kids. They're thinking, listen, I, I'm not with that. They can say that all they want. Just because our video went viral, got 82 million views, I don't really care that thing got viral on TikTok. I care about these principles. Yeah. I want to raise my kids, right? Rogan had an experience he talked about with his uh, um, nine-year-old uh, child in California. I don't know if you heard about I, that. I just heard about it this yeah. morning, yeah. So, so there's this, this story. I'll read it to you. Hang on one second. So Joe Rogan uh, reveals that woke anti-racist ideology was pushed on his nine-year-old child in California school. This is a post-millennial uh, story. When the whole uh, George Floyd thing happened, one of the schools that my kids were going to back in California, released this email saying that it's not enough to not be racist. You now must be anti-racist. And my kid's nine at the time. What does that, what does this even mean? Rogan asked on Tuesday's episode on the Joe Rogan Experience. These kids are not even remotely racist. Like, they have all sorts of different kinds of friends. I've never heard them discuss it once. It's just like this person, and she's nice to me, and we like to play together, and we both like the same things. And so tell a nine-year-old that you have to be anti-racist. Well, then they go looking for racism. They're going to be looking to confront it. That sounds very logical and common sense to me. How do you process what Joe was saying here? But, but I thought we were told they don't teach critical race theory in schools. Isn't that the meme out there? Oh, it's only these right-wingers making it up that we're, that we're teaching this stuff in schools. And yet here is Joe Rogan obviously giving you an honest assessment of what's going on there. And I don't know if you guys follow Chris Rufo by chance, but Chris Rufo is basically the leader I believe he works at the Manhattan Institute, but he is the leader at exposing what is going on with critical race theory at all of these schools. He was on the show with MSNBC. What's her name? Him and, oh. him and her went back and forth. I'm <laughs> with, sure you with saw that. With that woman who's yeah. broadcasting from a mental institution, Makes Joy no Reid. Oh Joy Reid, yes. You know, if you watch MSNBC and you just pretend that they're in a mental institution, it's actually quite watchable. <laughs> if, you, if you watch it as a news program, it's, it's pretty awful. Um, but look, we know this stuff is going on. And guess who's going to fight it? It's going to be DeSantis. They'll fight it in Texas where Joe Rogan, what did he do? He fled oh, California and he went to Texas. Um, the funny thing about Rogan is that Rogan was a Bernie supporter. And yet when he signed the $200 million deal with Spotify, what was the first thing he did? He got the hell out of California, had something to do with the taxes. So we all have like, you know, some inconsistencies in, in how we behave or what we talk about versus how we actually are. Uh, but this stuff is obviously going on. They, we almost killed racism in America. We almost, how, how old are you all you guys? 43. We're, so we're all ballparking. 42-ish. 42. 58. 50, right. Okay. We, all of us grew up in a world that racism was pretty much done. It, really think about 10 years ago. Was there any real mainstream racist person or racist idea that was running rampant? There really wasn't. And maybe, maybe the you of three years ago thought that Trump was like the, the racist instigator. To me, he was actually the reverse of that completely. He was of all I the mean, things I thought of Trump, racist wasn't at the top of the list. Okay, fair enough, and we don't have to bother wasting time on Trump. But the point is, these who's who's racist in America now? It's the anti-racist. It's the people who purport 
to be the tolerant ones that are injecting race and gender and sexuality and all of our differences into everything. There is literally, imagine how insane this would be. Show me a Republican. Show me the craziest far right Marjorie Taylor Greene something Republican and tell me what racist policy she has. Does she not want black people to have the same, go to the same water fountains or be able mm -hmm. to get jobs? It's, you know who's instigating racism? It's the left who want COVID vaccines to be decided by race. It's the left who wants Harvard to actually have quotas to stop Asians from coming in. You know this crazy of story? We had them on. We had the young kid who wrote, wrote oh, a book about yeah. it on. Extraordinary. Oh, there's a three-year lawsuit at Yale about that. Yeah, so Remember? it's like, who who actually are the racists? Who actually are the homophobes? Trust me, I'm not being hunted down here in Florida, as you just pointed out. It's like, it's completely fine. It's completely fine, but they're ushering it back in. We almost did it. We got it to this, and now they're starting to expand it again. Well, let's not forget this all started with uh, President Obama. Race relations in America were better under George Bush pre-Obama than they were Obama coming in, uh, Trayvon Martin could have been my son, the Dallas that shooting, was the, the funeral for the Dallas police officers, all there's institutional racism in the police department. Like he ushered all this stuff back in. There were the riots in what, uh, not Minneapolis, but uh, Baltimore, Baltimore riots under under Obama. Like this all started with him. This all starts in the universities. And that's like, like you mm -hmm. said, common sense is winning. It's not left. It's not right. It's those who want to be free and left alone. And they see things like, do you remember the San Francisco choir? That it, they, they said it was a yeah. joke, but they yeah, said yeah. we're coming for your kids, yep. right? It's things like that. The people are, they're just done. That's why Terry By the way, then it turned out, it turned out like three of those guys were, had been arrested for pedophilia or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, really like bananas stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's awkward. Yeah. yeah. And it's like you see Terry McAuliffe <laughs> run out in Virginia. Think? People are just sick of it. They just want to be left alone. It's not left. It's not right. Mm -hmm. It's like you said, Pat, it's common sense. Well, back to you know, it's interesting about, about the school is that, you know what? I'm not even getting political with it. You know what a losing proposition is? Messing with someone's kids. Yep. Like whether you're a Democrat, whether you're Republican, whether you're pro-capitalism, socialism, at some point, if someone starts messing with your kids, all ideology is out the freaking window. And it's like, don't mess with my freaking kids here. Yeah. Ask and, Terry McAuliffe. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. That's the that, elec know, that election went click, bang, exactly. boom in two weeks. Gene Young. Let me let me tell you. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to butcher who this was. If I'm trying to find the story to kind of tell you exactly where this is coming from. So they went to this community and this I don't know I want to say Indian reservation but maybe it's a different one and they noticed one thing that nobody in that city stuttered they're like wait a minute this is very weird how come nobody stutters here and they go around they're asking everybody hey how come nobody stutters how come nobody stutters how come nobody stutters how come nobody stutters and everybody starts saying what stutter she said, what do you mean what stutter what does the word stutter mean what do you, you, you really don't know what the word stutter means? No, I don't know what the word stutter means. They go look into their dictionary. The word stutter is not in their dictionary. Meaning, since they didn't know that there was such a thing as stuttering, people stopped stuttering. Mm -hmm. Nobody stuttered. The moment you put that in there, we start thinking and we start stuttering. Now, how much truth there is behind this, I haven't spent my entire life investigating this. But there's a part around it that validates a point of the power of affirmations. If you keep telling me I'm a loser, I'm eventually going to believe it. If you keep telling me I'm not going to amount to anything, I'm eventually going to believe it. If you keep telling me 
I'm going to do something special with my life. Maybe I have the ability to use all my talents and abilities to do something big in my life. Maybe I'm going to start believing it. If you start telling America we're racist, maybe a small populace, a small percent is going to start mm-hmm. believing it. Then we are going to start being racist. If you tell us we get along and we're making progress, we're going to be like, oh, what's up, Dave? You're gay? You're getting married? 40 years ago? I don't know. Today? Dude, let's chill. I'm from Iran. Oh, you're from Iran. Ooh, you're from Iran. <laughs> hey, what Must do you have scary. in there? Exactly. <laughs> hey, are we really going to do this in a, you know, in a, uh, uh, what do you call this place? In a bank vault and you're going to close that? I don't trust being <laughs> in a vault with an Iranian. No but you know what? Let's do it. Hey, an Iranian and a Jew are sitting right next to each other. Now it's like it's okay. But th- this whole concept of after, over and over and over. Maybe I do have prompts. Maybe America does have prompts. Mm-hmm. I think that is one of the biggest problems we have. They keep repeating the same bullshit, and some are starting to believe it. Have you ever seen that incredible? If you haven't seen it, you gotta you gotta show it to your audience. Morgan Freeman saying exactly what yeah, you said. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Seen with, it on uh, with Don Minutes Lemon. With uh, no, uh, did you do? Oh, he, there's one that he did with Lemon, and there's one from I think uh, a few years before that he did on 60 Minutes with uh, Ed Bradley. Uh, not Ed Bradley, the other guy, Mike Wallace. Uh, Mike Wallace. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's it's an absolutely, and that's exactly what he says. Stop talking yes. about it. Congratulations. We'll move on. And then there's a great moment where uh, uh, Mike Wallace is like, well, but don't you want Black History Month? And he turns to him and he's like, don't you want White History Month? That's and right. he goes, well, actually, I'm Jewish. And he goes, well, do you want Jewish History Month? And he's like, no. Like mm-hmm. his gut reaction why was- Why give it to well, me? Yeah. And, and then he and says- It's right. just- Pat, can I tell you why your point is so powerful about the stuttering me. thing? Yeah. Because um, I, I have a real life case example about that. I my freshman year I played football in college right and the quarterback on the team my buddy I was a wide receiver my buddy lived at the place next door had had a had a had a had a horrible 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 stutter okay his name was Tommy Waters would stutter like crazy okay but when he would go into the huddle all right guys here's the play today here we're going to run I was like what the fuck is this wow but I hung out with him so much. And I didn't realize that I came back home to Miami for spring break or whatever it was. And my friends are like, dude, why are you stuttering? Wow. And I was like, what are you talking about? But I hung out with him so much that I developed a stutter. And then like my friends and nobody called me out in, in school, at college, because it was like I was with Tommy. Mm-hmm. And that was my boy. And shout out to Tommy if you're watching this. Yep. He's the best. Um, and my friends are like, dude, you, you're a stutterer now? And I had to like, hold on. Yeah, I don't, I don't stutter, and I'm just gonna start talking regularly. But it's osmosis. If yeah. you're around, people are like, "Oh, the people are racist. Dude, this is what's is happening." So you're gonna start dangerous. thinking about it. Oh my so, god! So your stuttering thing is a yeah. very real life example of what can happen when you're crammed down your throat with critical race theory or wokeness or racism. You you start to live it. So think about that. That's you in college, right? Yes. Now you this we have all the adults going through this through the media. But now to connect this to the Rogan thing, he's talking about his nine year old kid, right? So now a nine-year-old kid, you, everyone knows this, they don't care about race, they don't think about sex, mm-hmm. they just wanna play, and now you suddenly are injecting racism into their world at nine years old. They are literally, literally manufacturing tomorrow's racists. We had got there, we were done. Nobody, there was no, really try to think, who, who in mainstream America in the last 20 years was truly racist? promoting racism that really wanted laws to be different. The last remnant of that was maybe David Duke. I don't even know. Not that he was mainstream. He he wasn't mainstream. I don't even know if the guy's alive anymore, but yeah. But it was done. But now they are creating a situation where nine-year-olds, where nine-year-olds will have the idea of race in their head when when there's, I 
can you imagine if Joe Rogan is sending his kid to a school where racism is rampant? Mm-hmm. I mean, every school in LA, they proudly smack the, we're anti-racist here. And it's like, man, were you guys racist three years ago? What was going on what over there? What was this whole racist baby that came up in the Supreme Court uh, Justice hearings. Are you about this? I think I might have missed this. Ted one. Cruz was talking about this. By, by the way, know. let me tell you. Let me tell you what I saw the other day. I saw. I saw this story. I'm like, oh, Tyler, check this out to see if this story is true or not. So this kid, 17 year old kid. I don't know if you heard about this or not. The 17 year old kid. Oh my god, this story is suing his parents for being born white. Did you hear about this? I didn't hear okay, about this. Okay, so one. let's talk about. I don't this know how old this story is though. Oh, but but still, like, but but here's the concept a, of is ridiculous. But, but here's the point. This is becoming <laughs> more and more. I saw another one on this. 17-year-old teenager sues his parents for being born white. Anthony Dwight, 17, claims he has suffered his whole life from the shame of being born white. When I was a kid, I'd spend hours in the shower trying to wash off my white skin, but it would never go away. Isn't there enough white people on this planet? Haven't we uh, (sighs) inflicted enough suffering, racism, and oppression in this world? The young man's lawyer, Robert Huffman, claims his client has suffered severe psychological distress, symptoms of depression, and suicidal uh, tendencies because of what he calls the burden of being white privilege. Because a level of psychological distress on my client, we ask that his parents pay for all the <laughs> necessary expenses to change his racial status, including skin coloring treatments. How the hell? Okay, first off, that lawyer needs to be disbarred immediately. The the the, the lawyer that picks up the, yes, I'm going to sue your parents for your skin color. That lawyer needs to be mocked into oblivion. Putting aside the rest of this ridiculous story, obviously. But you see what they did? Congratulations. Yeah. You made some 17-year-old kid. He was just a kid. Congratulations. He hates himself. This now. is you guys sad did any way you cut it. Whether if this yeah. was a black kid, an Asian kid, a yeah. white kid, Native American kid, a Jewish kid. Yeah. Like, it's just sad any way you cut so, it. So, but, but the question becomes the following. How did this kid come to that conclusion? Okay. Who reaffirmed something to him over? And it's definitely not his parents. Who reaffirmed and caused that hate to him? The entire could, machine. So right. is, white, is, is white it, bad, you bad. Okay. White bad, but, you bad. But let's and actually, all of a sudden, the let's kid actually speculate. It. Let's actually speculate. Do you think this 17-year-old kid is watching MSNBC or CNN or Fox? No. Do you, okay. So do you think this would have been from one of his classmates that yes. said it? Uh, do you think this could have been from one of the teachers? Or yes, people? absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, City was this in? This, uh, uh, St. Louis, I think. So, but the point is somebody put that thought in this kid's head. Period. Somebody put that thought in this kid's head, and he has to kind of live up by that. My biggest concern with what's going on with kids, I said this the other day, is I'm not worried about me. I'm going to be able to afford to do homeschooling or hire the best teachers to teach my kids in my house. And, hey, just come down. We'll hire three, four teachers. Every day you guys just come and rotate. We'll pay 100 bucks an hour. Come and do it. But forget about me. I've busted the last 20 years to be in this situation. So if things got really ridiculous, I can at least be able to influence my kids properly by hiring the right teachers. How about the other 98% of America, that 95% of America that can't afford to send their kids to private school, that they have to leverage and just lean on public schools, that they can't change zoning? They don't have a choice. Well, they have is, to go through. The only choice they have is either doing homeschooling or try to control as much as possible. Um, which, by the way, it, what was crazy, who was it we had on that said the need for church has increased? Oh, yesterday I got this random call. Did I tell you about that? Yeah, I told you about this random call I got yesterday. I'm at the baseball field with Dylan. This I get this call from Illinois. I'm like, who is this? And you know my phone's not saved the number, so I pick it up. Is this the one I saw you at the guard gate? No, no, no. That's that's a prank I was pulling on you. That's a different one. We pulled a very good prank on, <laughs> on him, and it has to do you with you. By the way, just... it has to do with you. I'll tell that story oh, in a minute. Geez. But this guy calls me, so I call back. I, is this Patrick? Who's calling? Oh, the one word. Yeah. Is this Patrick? I'm sorry. Who's calling? It is Patrick. Okay, Patrick. 
I said, who's calling? I can't tell you my name because I don't want you to ever talk about this on your podcast. But I watch all your stuff. So the reason why I'm calling you is because the interview I watched with Jack Barsky. And I'm like, Jack Barsky, KGB? Yes. And he says, what is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? I said, what's the context behind this question? He says, what is the difference between the Old Testament? It's one word. What is the difference between Old Testament and New Testament? I'm like, Old Testament, you believe in that? Jewish, New Testament, Christian. No, it's one word. I said, are you saying Jesus? Bingo, it's Jesus. I said, what does KGB Jack Barsky have to do with Jesus? So he goes for 15 minutes. I'm sitting, I'm like, I can't even believe I'm entertaining this conversation. How'd you get my phone? The whole premise of his call to say that America needs God today. That was his whole premise. And by the way, we hung up. We had a great conversation. He said, I love you. I'll follow up. Just don't give my name. Don't give my name. I'm like, I'm not going to give you a number on a live podcast. He says, I'm still not going to give you my name. I said, I'm totally fine. All Had the best Joel Osteen ever called you before? 65-year-old man, by the way. 65-year-old <laughs> man. 65-year-old man says, I don't want to have because I don't want to get persecution. I said, aren't you just as guilty to be embarrassed to talk about God as you are judging others who are doing this? I'm sorry. You are just as guilty mm -hmm. because if you're so proud of the belief on what's God done for you, why don't you be publicly talking about it? Why are you being a closet Christian? Come out and talk. I said, well, that's a fair assessment. But nowadays in my job, I can be persecuted. I can lose my job. Bingo. So look at the fears you feed it. people right. have, right? Look at what's going on. But again, I said this two podcasts ago. I'm saying it again today. If you're raising a kid today, everything becomes an insurance policy, okay? It's almost like, okay, I'm going to lean on sports to get my kids as a positive distraction because a good positive distraction is going to get them away from the other stuff. A good private school, good friends, you know, good uncles to have around. I need to kind of rely on a local church that I trust to have the right values and principles. All you're looking at is putting that right defense around you and the right values to be taught. And I actually, in a weird way, this is going to sound crazy. Every, every, you know, uh, talking about religion is not something we talk about on our podcast. I think in the craziest way, I think the next 10 to 20 years, churches are going to blow up. Yes. I don't know why. I think church is going to blow up the next 10 or 20 years. Oh, I'll tell you why. Yeah. Well, well, first all, well, first, I just want to say the craziest part of that story that you just told is that you pick up numbers that you don't recognize <laughs> is the most insane. If I get a call, my phone number has been leaked so many times and I've changed my phone for that. If I get a call that yeah. I don't recognize, I will literally just throw my phone in the river. <laughs> and what, are you, what are you doing? We've said a lot of facts today. Nothing is sure than what you just said. <laughs> well, if, I, I, if I don't recognize the number... Zero percent chance I'm picking that, up. That, that, that genuinely. Hello? Yes. Is this Patrick? How could I help? What? Like. That is the most crazy <laughs> thing I have ever heard. I can only imagine I'm how gonna busy you are. Yeah. I'm going to make you crazier. I have not changed my number in 20 years. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's if, been my number for 20 years. If someone just comes knocking on your door, they just knock, come on in, come on. You seem like an I'd like to talk to you about God. Yeah. Come on in, Patrick. In, in, the, in the craziest way, in the craziest way, and this is going to sound crazy. I, I so love a good debate and a good discourse. Wow, you're living if, your best if, life, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm living really my are. best you life. Really I, yeah, living <laughs> my best life. If I so, enjoy a good. If someone's phone number you recognize, like uh, first a, of all, don't wait, get don't a twist. Recognize the Watch number. me get fifty calls today from. <laughs> I'm not picking up today's wait, calls. That's also that's so. It shows you how we're all wired differently because so right. We do a very similar thing for a living, right? So I run businesses outside, but I talk yeah. for a living. So we do basically yes. the same thing. I talk until so I wake up at 6 a.m. and I'm basically talking till till the whatever day, whatever time that shuts yep. down. So it could be 8 p.m. I've talked all day. 
when when I'm done, I almost to the point that I cannot speak. I turn on Seinfeld and I'm like, that's it. Don't talk to me. But you, what you just said there is you love it so much. I, I just do. And I don't think it's that you love it more than me. It's that we're wired probably a little bit differently that if I got a call from an anonymous number at eight o'clock, that would be the yeah. devil to me. And you're like, yes, let's continue the conversation. I can't wait to talk to this random person. I mean, that is absolutely. But by, but by the way, yeah. I'll give you one thing that it's even funnier than this. So when I get random texts from people and I don't recognize a number, here's what I'll do. Did you see what I did the other day with what? the guy? Let me guy. you call them. No, no, what? no. Let me tell you what I do with them because them I have fun with. So a guy texts me, he says, uh, hey, uh, 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 are we going to be able to see you later on today? And I texted this guy back, no joke, you should see this. I should show this guy's number and put it on the screen. I respond back. I said, um, did Kamala tell you I won't be making it? So the guy's like, excuse me? I said, yeah, just tell Kamala I can't make it because Joe will be upset. But Kamala knows what I'm going through right now. And then he responds back saying, I'm just a valutainer, man. Are you really talking to Kamala Harris? And I just leave the text alone. I don't respond back. I wonder what this guy's probably thinking about saying, Pat's talking to Kamala Harris. They're going to a party. But anyways, going back to, to, it, to yes, the point is, you were going to make. I think you're completely right. I think churches um, are going to blow I'm, up next I'm actually, I'm partly making this argument in my book that because the woke thing is so out of control and because two plus two is five and boys are girls yep. and if you're not racist, you are racist because everything is so backwards. When everything's backwards, people need something to fall back on. And I, I can feel this. I can feel it. In a, I mean, I thought I was an atheist five or six years ago. I'm not anymore. I'm a believer. I toured with Jordan Peterson. He moved me on some on probably the most important question of, of all, you know, in essence. Um, I think a lot of people are going to go that direction. It's It's a sad state in a way because because liberalism in its truest form should be able to stand on its own but but the left has destroyed liberalism changed things so that words have no meaning anymore and then people will go to religion i'm, I'm actually not saying that religion is bad I, I i'm not saying that at all actually i think at the end societies somehow need an organizing principle and i don't know that there is one better than belief at some level uh but i i completely agree with you and are you you're jewish yeah you go to temples where, where do you go where um do you do? You know, it's funny, I, I've sort of come back towards it. Dennis Prager actually helped me a lot on this. He ran in L.A. He, he's not a rabbi technically, but he was running services and runs sort of like a, it's sort of like a misfit temple. And I started going and I, you know, I, Dennis has been a mentor and a friend and everything else. And he brought me back to a lot of that. But, you know, for Jews, I'm sure it's somewhat similar to you. It's become more of a culture and a way of thinking and a yeah. sense of humor and holy shit, we survived Right. Somehow, 5,000 years of this lunacy, and there's still a couple of us left. So, but I am trying to figure out how that yeah. pieces into my life. Well, yeah. regarding, regarding church, religion, ultimately what we're talking about, I think, is just a bigger sense of purpose and meaning in life. Ultimately, we're all just trying to figure out what the hell are we doing here? We're like, how, what is life? What is the meaning of life? And I mean, look at the stats. The most common religion now is non-believer yeah right so god has been taken out of society and i'm not religious at all but I, I i will say that i do and this might just because of, of my upbringing and my mom you could do whatever you want to do and your <laughs> affirmation and like a typical jewish mom but for most people in america they don't have necessarily a higher sense of purpose or meaning and kova has exacerbated that you're stuck at home alone you lost your job you don't know what's going on you're taking opioids you're you're looking at everyone on tv and on social media everyone's doing amazing and you're just stuck in this you know shitty life and if you're if there's nothing to cling on to for religion what do you have and a lot of people will cling on to politics 
you know, especially even on the left these days. But that's, right too. that's why you have to give the woke credit because they turned a political ideology into a cult. You cannot get out of that cult. It's why so many of them go so crazy. Why is John Stewart right now screaming about white people all the time? It's because he went into the woke thing. And then once you're in it, John Stewart knows he's a hundred million dollar white guy, middle-aged white guy in essence, right? So he has to keep going. Otherwise they'll turn on him too. Wow. In a heartbeat. It, it's a religion that yeah. you cannot leave. And he's what he, you would call, and I learned this term literally from you, Dave Rubin, yeah. a classic liberal. He, he should be truly. Yeah. I, I don't think he's in his true head. I mm. don't think he's a crazy woke leftist. Right. But just, in the, I don't know that anyone's but watching. But he's gone down that path. Yeah, he's doing How shows. How has Bill Maher avoided that and stayed true to himself? <sighs> I mean, I do this on my show all the time. I'm so frustrated with Bill Maher. Really? I really am. Yeah, I'm supposed to be Why on podcast in a month. Why are you frustrated with Bill Maher? Or, because he's so freaking close. He's so damn close to getting and it. Then and then he just shoots he, himself and, in and, the foot. Yes. So so Bill Maher, he gets it on critical race theory now. Yep. He got it on COVID finally two years too late, but he got it. He gets it on the gender stuff. He gets it on free speech. He gets all the big ones. But until you're willing to say, I will not support and vote for people who have ushered this all in, mm -hmm. then you're then at some point you're no longer doing a service. Right. right? It's one thing to wake. So you asked me before the, where we started was about waking people up and how do we move people? Mm -hmm. Well, Bill Maher, he, I guess at some level, he's woken up some liberals. Right. So that that is good. And by the way, this is a guy who I've loved and admired for for 20 years. But at the end. Because of Trump derangement syndrome in his Bingo, case, by the way, Trump broke him to the point that you can't you can't say I'm against critical race theory, I'm against all the gender stuff, and then it's like, all right, Bill. So when it came down to it, would you have voted for Glenn Youngkin or not? And if the answer is no, you would have voted for Terry McAuliffe. Then you actually aren't at the end of the road yet. So he's getting people almost to the promised land, right. and right when they get to the promised land, they're right there, the border. He then takes them the other way. So last week, you probably saw it. He said on his show, he said that the Republicans would love if there were no black Supreme Court justices. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there is a black Supreme Court justice and he's a conservative. Did you know that, Bill? And everyone yeah, loves him. And I guarantee an you. And I, and I, yeah, he's an Uncle Tom. Yeah. And I guarantee you that every conservative in the country would love if there were 12 of him. Yeah. So at the end, you get there and then all you got left is but their race. I think his problem actually is that he's called so many religious people crazy for 20 years. Yeah. That it's very, back. it's very hard for him to put that together. Well, How a special it, called religious list. It's not like yeah. He's it's, it's, but it's, let me, let yeah. me tell you exactly what's happening with him. because yeah. I'm living it. Yeah, bro. I got it. I got he's it. He's going down the road. He's going to the path. You said he gets to the pearly gates, and who's at the gate, bro? It's Trump. That's ultimately what's happening. Is you get to the gate, and you're like, hold on, I, I, everything was made so much sense, and Trump's at the gate, and this is why I think. The Republicans will be shooting themselves in the foot having Trump come back yeah. versus a DeSantis. I think no matter who DeSantis runs against, landslide. If Trump runs, anyone's guess. I think Tyler's I, got something to tell us. Go ahead, Tyler. Well, right. you're just talking about the black Supreme Court justice uh, Clarence Thomas. Let's not forget that George Bush nominated Janice Rogers, the first black woman to the Supreme Court, and who shot it down? Oh, there was a guy. I forget. Ladies and gentlemen, he's, he's uh, old now. Me. He's, he's very old. confused. Yeah, yeah, what's that guy's name? Yeah. Excuse me. That guy. We all live in the in the present, and we don't even open a history book. Who the hell is Thurgood Marshall, and who yeah. got him onto the court, <laughs> right. and who didn't want him on the court? Nobody wants to go back and look at that. Nobody wants to go back and, and, and look at what was the real party of civil rights. Why you know? was the Republican Party founded? Exactly. 
You know, and people forget, oh, it'd be the first time. Yeah, Thurgood Marshall, I recall, was an amazing intellect. He was an amazing jurist. Not because he was black, because he was an amazing jurist. And you'll look at how he ended up on the court. And all we all look back, and we only want to put it in, in today's time because they need it. Okay, so check you know, this we out. Don't have a, we don't have education. We have agendication. Hold yeah. on. Are you, are you getting another call from an anonymous? The, the, by the way, <laughs> seriously, somebody just texted me from a number I don't recognize saying, Patrick, great show. I said, tell Kamala I said hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bye bye. Here you go. How the hell did you get my number? But anyway, so here, here you we go. go. A, <clears throat> a highly educated white military president, Dwight David Eisenhower, sends 101st Airborne in to protect nine people who had the right to go to the high school that was in their neighborhood and not be bussed across town. Anyways, by the way, did you guys see uh, uh, the the how uh, Biden was a life of the party just a couple days ago. Oh Put it up there, God. how he was like oh every, but my. people, he could, he had a line of people trying to talk to him. Let's, let's take a look at this. If you haven't seen this, uh, make that, okay, there you go. Uh, do you have audio or look no? Okay, if you want to put the audio, put the audio, because it's C-SPAN. We're paying for this. Nobody wants to talk to him. And watch the way Obama ignores him when he puts the hand. Watch this. He knows the president of the United States is touching him right now. He knows it, and just look at that. He's leaning on him. Okay, so so let's let's process this. Let's process this from three different angles, oh, and I, I want to get your perspective on this. One, how do our enemies process that? So Putin, how do maybe you know, uh, an Iran, a China, Xi, not necessarily enemy, but they're not our allies, right? How does what is Barack Obama's motive here? Is he coming in and saying, hello, Vice President Joe Biden, and he says this was part of the skit, we talked about it, undermining him. And number three, Biden himself, is he sitting there thinking in his own mind with nobody telling him this, not his advisors, not his peers, nobody saying, I think I may be replaced here right after November midterms. What, what, give, me, give it to me perspective from those three lenses. I think it frightens our enemies because they look at this video and they say, oh my gosh, he has superpowers. He can be invisible and walk around a room. This is a You're dangerous funny. guy. Tom, this is why you could only be a comedian around big universities that have technical <laughs> minds. But, but go ahead. What do, you, what do you think, Dave? No, I was a P.J. O'Rourke fan. So was, well, like first, first, I will address that. But did you guys see the video from about a year or two ago? We showed it on my show, I think, yesterday, of Obama saying that what his dream would be to have a third term, but he would just need a dummy out there. And he would just be able to I talk to that. them in their ear, basically. He would just need a body. He up said there. that two he, years yeah, ago. I'll, I'll send you the video later. Wow. He said it about a year ago that that would be his true dream. He would love a third term where he was the puppet master. I He's kind of got we it. just saw it right there. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, so, Charlie McCarthy. To, to By the way, I'm totally cool with that. Oh, if Obama is actually running the show and it not Biden, oh, that, I'm just saying I'm cool with that. Oh, we do have a little work to do with you still. I know. Okay, okay, we'll get there. You'd rather Biden be at the helm? Is that what you're no, saying? But, no, but Biden obviously isn't in charge. It's not okay, even so a question. So in essence, yes, I do think, which gets to your question, oh, this is it. This is it, yeah. Um, is it C-SPAN where it's you can show this, it or what is it? CBS? I think it was, yeah, I think it oh, might have been 60 Minutes. Okay, keep going. Um, I think there's another factor to this, but Dave Rubin, go ahead. Well, well, first I would say that Biden obviously is not in charge. I think what sort of happened in that moment is that everyone realizes how bad all of this is. We all know inflation, supply chain, Ukraine, Afghanistan, okay, all the stuff, right? We all know how bad it is. We know the polls are terrible, all of that. Everyone also knows that Kamala was polling at zero 
literally zero in her own party when she dropped out, and then they chose her quite simply because of the color of her skin. We we these, these are and because she not, was a black female a, and her genitals. Yes. Yes. So they know that this thing is so damaged right now that the other part is that Joe Biden has dementia or or something like dementia. He and that is very sad. I don't mean it to be glib or anything else. I don't think he's going to even make it between that and now what's coming out with the Hunter Biden laptop. So I think the system is now figuring out a way to push him out. The fact that Jen Psaki just announced this week that she's leaving to, of course, go to MSNBC. MSNBC. So she's the chief liar, paid liar in America. And now she's going to do it just on a on a TV channel. I think the system is shifting and it's realizing, man, Biden, dementia, all the problems. And and what Obama did right there was sort of just assert Mm -hmm. him. He just pushed himself back in. And obviously, he's not going to get a third term in a traditional sense, but they'll let Kamala take over, and she will probably just have to kiss the Obama ring and do exactly what you're asking for, which I think will lead to an awful lot of bad policies that are just a continuation of what's going yeah, on. Yeah. Okay. So put a timeline on it. Is are the are the are the looming midterms the last straw, or is that their is that their flashpoint or their well, look, the thing is... Their convenient you have, milestone. You always have to remember the machine does crazy things. So obviously right now everyone thinks it's going to be the crazy red wave, right? Everyone, that's what every poll mm-hmm. is saying. Everyone's predicting it. You know what? COVID magically comes back in October and suddenly it's mail-in balloting and harv- ballot harvesting in all the blue states and then suddenly it's not such a wave and then they can... Mm-hmm. Ex- you know, who knows? But that... It's a game. It's a, it's a giant Game of Thrones chess game that is that is many layered beyond just what Republicans voted fifty one forty eight on this thing. So that that's basically who do what they I replace think. him with though? I mean, so so now you, then, then it goes to the bench. Okay, so the bench becomes what Pete Buttigieg. That's the bench. He's gay. That's who, good enough. Who's the that's bench? Good enough. I think he's who, a really smart guy. I don't. I mean, he's only run a small town in. South Bend, Indiana. Why is he the transportation secretary? I don't know. Nobody well, knows. The same he's guy gay. who rides a That's bike why. to work. That, is they, that why? Well, yeah, they said he's, he's the he's Are you gay. trying to say that you're going to be the next transportation secretary? Is that Did what you you're know? saying? Uh, but I'm as qualified <laughs> as Pete Buttigieg, I can tell he, you that much. His confirmation hearing was something of a joke. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, were can, there vehicles in your town? Uh, yes, there were. Is there a bus service? <laughs> yes, there were. Uh, I'm, on, I'm done with my list, Senator. Yeah, how, no, that's it. Was, it. it was that's nothing. It, there was nothing how, to how it. How do you process this? Because you probably, well, he, let me just say this. I think a very, number one, you're not far off, Dave. I, I don't, Thank I'm you. not willing to say that Biden has dementia, but clearly he ain't exactly all that. Are, right are you, is anyone at this table confident that the president of the United States is cognitively able to be the president right now and truly making all of the decisions? I don't think he's making all decisions. I think <clears throat> it's speculation yeah. what he has. I don't know. Uh, he answer. did. He did handle, you know, his speech about Ukraine, and like I thought, he, you even said that he did a decent job with that. Um, it's the best I've seen him do. Okay, and yeah. that was a month ago. No, so it's every now like, and yeah. again he can snort Adderall and basically <laughs> read a teleprompter. I mean, that's basically it. You know, I like that. Um, but let's let's play a game. If Pence was the president, right, and he's doing you know Mike Pence type things, and Trump rolls into the White House. You don't think everyone's just going to be grabbing on Trump and Pence will be kind of walking around like a pencil neck? I think it's a very similar. Like, it's a yearning for something better is really what it is. And Obama shows up and everyone's like, holy shit, this is the guy. Much like I think that's exactly what would happen in a if, if Trump 
left and Pence was the president. But what, but what do you guys think about the respect level? That moment when he put his hand on his shoulder, you it's not like people can just walk up to Barack Obama and touch him. Yeah. And and Biden's right behind him, clearly talking to him. It you it's not he doesn't have no censors, right? No sensory oh, ability. Biden knew it was him was your Biden what uh, sorry, Obama knew I what mean, Obama was happening. Does. He went out of his way to ignore him and continue talk do, like does that seem so, crazy so to you me, that he's me, making me, some me, sort me, of move there? No, it did. It was clear. Yeah, so so think about it this way. Say you Say you, uh, uh, we run sales offices. So say I go into one of my sales guys' office, and the guy who runs that office, he's a sales leader. Say I spend one hour just undermining him and talking about how special I am. What the hell am I doing? Am I building leaders? So to me, that didn't come across as Biden being a uh, Trump, uh, what's his name? Obama being a kingmaker. That came across as Obama being a king, not a kingmaker. Right. He has an opportunity to be known as a kingmaker. Mm-hmm. Now that's a next level type of stuff because. Now you're in the league of, you know, Reagan, who he helped someone become a king maker. Bush Sr. was mm-hmm. made through Reagan being the king maker. Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, two-term president, king maker. And that didn't come across as a king maker. You came in to steal the show, and it wasn't about you, Obama. It's about the current president, and it didn't happen. So that was a, that was a hit, a miss a opportunity on his end. And then in regards to how people view it, it doesn't look strong at all. Uh, Obama looked like he was semi condescending a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, it, it, I got yeah. that feeling from him that More he was a little bit semi. condescending. Let me ask you. Yeah. Because you're, you're bringing up your sales leaders yeah. and your offices. You travel. It'd be the equivalent. It's like, I'm almost going to make an analogy here. You're Obama. And you roll up to one of your offices in Houston. And they're usually following their sales leader. Yeah. You know, call him Jim. But you roll up. And Jim's the man 364 days a year, but Pat shows up and everyone in the office starts paying attention to Pat. I've seen what happens when you roll up to the office. They literally, there's signs, welcome Pat. There's a little bit of that in that, right? Yeah, but your job is to build that person up. Yeah. Your job is to build that person up. I totally get it. Like your job is to, like for example, the, the Dylan's coach, right? Dylan's coach, Ricky, is teaching him how to do baseball. Every time he's teaching him, I go stand right there, okay? And I'll tell him, I say, hey, so you challenge him, you push him a little bit, but you seem uncomfortable. Tell me why. Well, listen, Patrick, you know, sometimes parents, I said, I'm not that parent. Keep pushing him. I want to empower you. He says, you have no idea how important this is. Mm-hmm. Do you know every single time after a game, he's talking to Dylan because he's got an insurance policy from me because mm-hmm. I empowered him. Now, let me give you the flip side of the coin is sometimes that leader is doing a shitty job, which is here. And sometimes if the leader's doing a shitty job, you come up, you're like, dude, I don't want my reputation to be tied to him because Obama may have three other moves that no one knows about on how to replace him in December and November, but no one knows about that. And that narrative is going to change like this. First of all, let me simplify something for you guys. Andrew Cuomo went from winning a flipping Emmy and writing a book, getting a $5 million advance, and he was ahead of Trump. Every day we'll listen to him and his press conference he would do six months later. Boom, they dropped him, and he's disappeared. When's the last time you saw Andrew Cuomo? What have you heard about? He was a hero. He was going to beat Trump. He would have been so much more presidential. This guy would have been so much more presidential. Do not be surprised if they drop Biden like a bad habit in literally seconds. It's boom. It's boom. happening now. The he media disappears is, and he's gone. Do you agree and with now, him, Dave? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. People need to understand what politics is. And you just explained what it is. It is, it is Game of Thrones. It is Game of Thrones. They have used by Biden. Remember, 
Obama did not even support Biden throughout most of the primary. Remember that? Everyone kept saying, well, why isn't he supporting his guy? Because he knew it was seriously damaged. Also, don't forget, nobody really wanted Biden. Remember at that moment when uh, Mike Bloomberg ran his fake presidential candidacy for a month and they threw him on stage twice and it was mm-hmm. awful, embarrassingly Embarrassing. Yeah. $100 million for that. $100 million. for, <laughs> And he obviously didn't want to be president, but they all felt, man, Biden is bad. But they needed to figure out who was it going to be. And was it going to be Gay Pete or Elizabeth Warren, who's a socialist or Crazy Bernie? So they all coalesced around the guy that was sort of loosely yeah. holding together the old thing that we kind of remember. I campaigned for Bloomberg. I remember that vividly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you, wait, did you just say you campaigned for him? I went to one of his events Jeez, in man. Miami. Francis Suarez was there, I want to say. So just so you know. When we're done with him. Yeah, you guys got to play basketball. <laughs> no, we'll play basketball. Yeah. But I mean, when we've completely like, t- turned him, I'm Dave, taking you. It's what's, a process. Bro. What's, your, what's your favorite restaurant? What is like, what is the greatest place I could take you just as the fire? as the Florida? Anywhere, anywhere. I'll take uh, you literally. LA would be Rafi's, Rafi's place. place. But yeah. here, okay. it'd be Casa D'Angelo. Okay, I've never yeah. been there. No, but we need to go to Carbone in, in Miami. We're going to Carbone yeah. in South Beach. I, I, know, I haven't been yet. Everyone's freaking out. You can move to Miami. You got to go to Carbone every, every day. Somebody. So are you saying you're taking us to Carbone? I'll take you to Carbone. Uh, when when you are, when we are done with you, signed, sealed, <laughs> delivered, registered Republican. But that would be no fun, Dave. We wouldn't have any conflict. Or, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> we can one-up it. Why don't we take him to Mar-a-Lago? <laughs> we can. And by the way, why don't you tell him what happened when you and your uh, husband met Trump? What did he do with Melania? That's a, that's a good story. It's really an incredible. I'll try to do the somewhat quick version of it. We go, it was the week of impeachment, the, yeah, there was eighteen impeachment. I was like, which one? Dude? The, yeah, the first, <laughs> the first sham impeachment, the original. And remember, the remember, that, remember those two weeks where everybody, everyone in mainstream media, the walls are closing in. Trump is freaking oh, yeah. out. Blah, blah. Bad. Um, so um, Mueller's um, got him. The whole thing. So I heard. I was at a Turning Point USA thing in West Palm. I, I spoke, and then then Trump announced that he was coming. So they cleared out all the. So basically, I ended up opening for him. And then For Trump. He, he spoke, yeah. Dude. But it wasn't planned that way. It was just that he announced that he was coming out of nowhere. So then, so I spoke, he speaks. I had never heard him speak in person before. And first, so already something had moved with me that morning because when he spoke and you see him speak live and then you read the media after, you can really see the disconnect. So there's a beautiful moment in his speech where he's talking about wind power. And he's like, I know wind power more than anybody and nobody knows more about wind than me and the turbines and blah, blah. And he's going on. And it's so obviously a joke. It's so obviously just a punk. And I turned to David and I said to him, I guarantee you Politico is going to write a headline or one (laughs) that Donald Trump says he knows more about wind. And of course, five minutes later, the headline shows up anyway. Uh, we see Junior there and we become sort of friendly. He says, you want to come to dinner with Kimberly and uh, and I to Mar-a-Lago tonight? So obviously we said yes. We go in again. This is the height of impeachment. We're in the, you know, there's two rooms there. We're in the smaller rooms. There's only about 20 people or so. There's Trump sitting there with Melania and Rudy Giuliani and, and one or two other people. And he has his shirt open, really open, no tie. So Trump. first, yeah. So first off, you never see Trump like this, right? His jacket's kind of leaning back. He looks relaxed. He, his hair looked relaxed. Like he's just, and he's laughing and having a blast. And I'm just, you know, we're not sitting at the same table, but I just kind of have my, you know, I'm just looking, right? Anyway, at the end of dinner, Junior says, hey, you want to meet my dad? So obviously, yeah, I'd love to meet your dad. So we, we walk over and, and uh, the president's sitting and he says, dad, I want you to meet Dave Rubin. Um, and, and he looks at me and he's, kind of, he's sitting. So he looks up and he's like, I kind of recognize you. I kind of, and I was like, oh, well, I'm on Tucker a lot. Or maybe you see me on something. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that must be it. And then he turns to David, my husband. And he goes, well, who are you? And he goes, well, I'm his husband. And he, he goes, husband, husband. 
that's great. You guys are gay. He goes, Melania, can you believe it? These two guys are gay. And then he goes, he goes, he goes, guys, let me tell you something. You know what your only problem is? You're too handsome. Both of you guys are too handsome. Yeah, that's what he said. And then Melania, then uh, she's kind of point. She's with a friend. She's kind of pointing at David. So David walks around the table to talk to Melania. And then it's me, Junior, and Trump. And then somebody grabbed Junior. So now it's just me and Trump. And this is also, so it's impeachment. And it's also right when Bloomberg got in the race. Yeah. So I had this moment alone with Trump. I'm like, I got to say something that says, you know, something. So I was like, I was like, Mr. President, I just got to tell you my crazy theory. And my theory is that the machine wants Biden because it's just a vestige of the old thing. But they know he can't survive in the debates because he's so bad. So so Bloomberg is in basically as a decoy, which I really believe is what happened. They threw him in. It was never real. But they needed, because Biden was still leading, they needed all the energy. Remember those two debates with Bloomberg? It was only about him. Biden barely spoke because they knew he would break down under under attacks. So I tell him this. I said, it's a complete decoy. Bloomberg's not running. It's all about Biden. And he's he's like this. He's like, you know, that's that's something. That's something. And then he goes, and this also really changed me on Trump. He reaches across the table and he puts his hand on Melania, like very gingerly, softly, puts his hand on Melania and he goes, honey, honey, listen to this. And he said it lovingly, right? And the, the, the meme is that they hate each other or she's a kept, you know, kept. She slapped whatever. his hand that one time. They played it a million but times. I'm telling you, he did it in the way a husband that loves his wife would touch her hand. And then he called her honey. So the way he did that. So he has me repeat what I said to him, uh, to her. And I say it, and she kind of nods, and then he goes, nah, he just hates me, talking about Bloomberg, meaning that's why he got it, he just hates me. But the thing that moved me, more than the, the gay thing or that silly story, is that he loves his wife. It was very obvious that I told him something interesting, and his first inclination was to tell was his to wife. Tell his wife. Yeah. What, what does that tell <clears throat> you about the guy? Very interesting, very interesting. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard him a few times at Mar-a-Lago, and I gotta tell you, the guy could have been a comedian yeah, if you want. Yeah, he's a stand-up. He's he, a stand-up. He could have been, because there's no cameras he gets up. And it's 90 minutes, no script, no nothing. And he, half the time you're laughing with jokes. And obviously, yeah. he's trolling. I think he's going to go yeah. all the time oh. as the greatest troller of all time. I think he has the gold medal for it. I think he owes the Guinness Book of World Record for it. I don't think anyone's going to come close to him as a troll. He's in a league of his own. But what's so impressive about the whole situation is the fact that He's about to get impeached a second time. Biden could potentially win, and he's just having a good time. I'm telling you, he's you living see this life. guy, yeah. shirt open like this. There was something, it was just like, he, he, it, that also was when I was just like, all of media, is, it broke down a lot of things for me, that he loves his wife, he didn't care about gays, that the media is just so dishonest. It wasn't just the wind power article that I knew was going to come. It was just, he's freaking out. You know, he's in his inner sanctum with his... And it was like, no, he isn't. He's sitting there laughing his ass off. They just lie about they really, everything. They really don't like this guy too much. They really don't like this guy too much. <laughs> there, but, there's but, an understatement. But, but here's, here's it, going back to it, here's the thing. The bench is deep on the right. The bench is not deep on the left. Even if I ask you right now who, you couldn't come up with five names on the left. Booker, not going to happen. Nope. Pete, Beto, who do you got? No, they'll, VP, they'll make Kamala. it be Pete. They'll make it be Pete. That's the one that they'll move on. They'll make it be Pete. Yeah. Don't forget about Gavin. Gavin is going to be there. There's Gavin. no question Ugh. Gavin's going to be there. Gavin's going to be there, no question. Do you have any stars you're excited about outside of Mansion? Because he's not going to run. He's I, not going to run. Cinema's not going to run. 
And oh, you if, don't think I, Manchin would run? If Manchin ran, he would never get the support from the left. Tulsi Gabbard no. would never That's get true. the support from the left. So, well, because you Tulsi, need to rally your base, right? And who's the Democratic base right now? It's a lot of the AOC crowd, the Bernie crowd. But that's not who the true Democratic voter is. Like the, they're the loudest people in the room, the ten percent on that yeah. side. Mm -hmm. Just like the do you like loudest. Tul do you like Tulsi? I'm guessing you probably like yeah, Tulsi. Yeah, I mean, I don't yeah. follow her well enough to be like, that's my girl. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do like the fact that she challenges the establishment. Yeah, she's she's a good woman. We've become friendly. She's a good woman. I mm -hmm. can't. I I mean, I say this to her privately all the time, but it's like. How are you a Democrat still? It just doesn't yeah. make sense. What does she when, say to when that? When is she moving to Florida, by the way? I mean, how uh, can well, she, she stay no, in Hawaii? She, she loves Hawaii. Yeah. She, lo she, loves, you she loves the waves. Tulsi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We go back and forth. We are, uh, uh, her flight is a long flight. We're trying to get a date for yeah. her to get on the podcast the next time she's in Florida. Crazy idea. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy idea. We, we go, go to Hawaii. We go to Hawaii. We do the show in you're Hawaii. Willing, you're willing to take do it, it on the road. Mm. You no. got you got great people around you. <laughs> yeah. They're willing to go yes. to Hawaii for you, man. Yeah. If you go, you go. You go and interview it, and then right. we'll send Tulsi, you to Hawaii. I'll see you in Hawaii. Dave That's Rubin, an eleven-hour flight. But what is what is if Tulsi? You wanna, if you want to send me to Hawaii, I'll, <laughs> you I'll, go to I'll send you guys. Special to Hawaii correspondent Dave Salzer. You guys go to Hawaii and you interview Tulsi. That'd be great. But what does she say when you question her about being a Democrat? I don't want to say anything that we've talked about privately, but you know, I think I can say it's obvious from her public statements that she's hanging on by a thread that that she's trying to hold a position that I think is an honorable position that they're not all insane and that there could mm -hmm. be a decent liberal left I think that's what you're trying to say you are or at least were mm -hmm. and it just and trust me I'm a guy that my first book was all it was a defense of liberalism it's just it doesn't work anymore Trump I, you know I kept making the argument and trust me it was not easy to come out as a Trump supporter or it's just, it's just a stupid statement a Trump supporter I was I voted for Trump yes I yeah. voted for a guy who was president um, I was making the argument for a long time that Trump actually was defending liberalism and conservatism. It was obvious how he was defending conservatism. He, he believed in the free market. He was appointing conservative judges, things like that, obviously. But he was defending liberalism because, look, the guy, he had a freaking rainbow uh, flag on stage with him before he was president. He was actually defending equality. Remember that moment at the State of the Union? I'm sure you guys saw it when he talked about uh, all, uh, was it all-time low black and Hispanic unemployment. And the entire Congressional Black Caucus sat there like this and didn't applaud. He did not care about any of those things. He was actually trying to save both. You're never gonna get a more liberal conservative. Real, that's really the truth. You'll, he doesn't care. Remember his answer on the trans bathroom thing? They said to him, uh, what, what do you think about trans bathrooms when that was a big thing? Mm -hmm. He goes, I'm a builder. If you tell me I could build a hotel with one bathroom, you know how much I'm gonna save? I would freaking love to do that. That's <laughs> That's the right answer. That's the right answer. <laughs> but they said he's a transphobe and he hates yeah, gays right. and he hates black well, men. What is going on with the whole trans thing these days? I don't know if this is the direction that By the way, to go. Uh, <laughs> if there's ever been a time you want to be you a trans. You really want to do if, that one if, now? Yeah. Well, I, I, well, I just, no, but here's the thing, though. You make a very good point. If there's ever been a time to be a trans in Palm Springs, this is the time to do oh, it. Exactly. Here's why. Cash here's out. a why. Here's why. Here's why. Because <laughs> Palm Springs... Woke council votes in pilot scheme to pay 20 transgender residents up to $900 a month for two years in universal, universal basic income. But even city's mayor thinks it's a waste of money. Uh, Palm Springs is, uh, is to spend $200,000 on a guaranteed income scheme. Not only applies to cities transgender and non-binary residents, California City Council voted unanimously on Thursday in favor of the pilot scheme, which will give 20 residents between $600 to $900 a month for two years. Uh, the city council, Christie, 
uh, backed the scheme, told L.A. Times that she felt incredibly proud of the city for coming in the right side of history and supporting our trans and non-binary gender, non-conforming community. Yes, the mayor of Palm Springs, Lisa Middleton, who herself is trans transgender, oh, she's trans. <laughs> said she did not think the scheme would succeed but voted for it anyway. So... Um, well, how do you process that, Dave? Palm Springs got 47,000 population. I think 46,980 people are going to become trans within 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually got the hormones in my car. You guys want <laughs> this? It, this shit could really make you become a total ANCAP, like, check me out of society. The idea that they, are, when they say they're going to give money to trans, I'm going to give $900, that means they're going to take money from someone else. Mm -hmm. A business owner in Palm Springs, the guy who owns the pizza shop, will have a few dollars or a few cents less in his paycheck so they can pay trans people to do what? This has nothing to do with being bigoted towards trans people. I want them to have the same equality and dignity, obviously. I'm it's so boring having to say all that stuff all the time. You know, it's just like, it's just obvious. But what are they saying? Okay, okay, so we're going to start paying people with limps. You know, they got problems too. You know, you got a limp. You see the guy walking down the street with a limp, you know, pay this guy something. I'm going to start limping, Dave. You should start limping. You should start but limping. What, did they say why they're paying them? Right, that's the point. Why? But by, by the way, very interesting thing. Can you pull up Boris Johnson, what he said yesterday? Oh, God, I think you're going to say he's going trans Did now you too. hear what Boris said <laughs> yesterday? crazy hair. Oh, by the way, did you hear what no, Boris what, said what, yesterday? What did he say? You're going to be blown away what Boris said yesterday, okay? Uh, uh, put, put biological, he said biological males. That's the quote you want to pull up. Uh, uh, okay, there you go, right there, second line. Make it a little bit closer so the audience can see it. He said this yesterday. Oh, I, I don't think that biological males should be competing in female sports, and maybe that's a controversial thing, but it just seems to be sensible. So Boris Johnson comes out saying, I don't think biological males should be competing in female sports, and maybe that's a controversial thing, but it just seems sensible. Doesn't that sound like common sense my, to you? My God, a mm -hmm. politician telling the truth. Boris Johnson, out of everybody, from UK. He seems to, to be somewhere. nailing it these days. A lot of the quotes I hear from him, well, he was I'm the... not in touch with his wife, but in, in regards to the <laughs> comments he's making, it's yes. a pretty solid comment. Well, he comment. said, I trust the British people to make their own decisions. That was the famous line during yeah. COVID. That was, that was pretty I could have done it better. I could have done better if I get another chance to that. <laughs> BizDoc's actually great at accents. Do you want to give it an English accent? <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. He's not racist. Come on, he's up. No, he, he, on the trans thing, as a father of two two girls, I mean, I felt terrible for all those girls yes. that were in the Ivy League that were competing with a guy that had longer arms and size thirteen and a half feet. Those are called flippers. By the way, in the water, you know she, that's. Let, yeah. However, I look at Title Nine. I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. How many people like gave their careers pushing for Title IX so we could have this non-discrimination of budget and decisions in women's collegiate sports? Okay, well then, if you draw it out, Title IX would actually support trans competing with trans. So there, why why is this such an issue? And it just it just shocks me because it's mm -hmm. like somebody wants it to be a wedge issue. Nobody wants it to be solved. There's somebody that doesn't want it to be solved, and they just want it to be a wedge issue. And that's that's how I see trans. By the way, Leah Thomas has a penis still, by the way. Just, no. Just saying, yes. yes. So it's still William? It, yeah. Yeah. Now, that does... Yeah. You, you does that disappoint you? Well, have you, guys, have you guys seen the, uh, the time-lapse video that they showed on one of the races? When you see it, you really realize how out of control this is. You, when you see what? The penis? The, you, well, no, no. <laughs> 
different, <laughs> different, different video. Uh, no, you, they show you a time oh. lapse of the race, and when you oh. see him, her, whatever, crushing them, you're like, man, it's just this so is, obvious how unfair this is. But there's also another incredible video that you guys gotta gotta see. Uh, from about six years ago, right before Letterman stepped away from the the Late Show, he has Serena Williams on. And sick. Did, you saw this. Sick. Have you seen this? Yeah. No, you, but you don't tell me. No, no. You go ahead. It, it's it, sick. It, it's it's incredible. Oh, what she says about playing against men. Yeah, she says yes. Andy Andy Murray wants to play me. me. Yes. He would crush me. She says she goes as far to say this is her words. Yes. She says men's tennis and women's tennis are different, different sports. sports. Yes, I saw that. And this is the best female tennis player of all time. Now you've got Ron DeSantis yes. doing like a watered down version of it, and he's Hitler. That's where we're That's at. Great. What is the LGBT? And now it's Q I A P. I've seen you say a joke, L M N O P. Yeah, nobody knows Please what any explain. of it is. Nobody knows. It doesn't matter. And you know, on the trans thing, look, uh, Douglas Murray. You guys may know Douglas Murray. He's a British conservative writer, really brilliant. He wrote a book called um, Madness of Crowds, and in it, he happens to be gay also. And in it, he separates the chapter on LGB from T. Because these things actually have nothing to do Correct. with each other. Because one, who you're attracted to is very different. I So, for example, I have no more insight into what it is like to be trans than you do, right? You're, Bingo. You're straight. I'm gay. Yep. Okay. Nobody cares, actually, mm -hmm. except except for the, the people constantly smashing us mm -hmm. with this. But the idea that these letters got put together is very, very dangerous. And and actually, I think in many ways it's, it's anti-gay. Because the gay movement, the people that were that were uh, protesting Stonewall, you know, forty years ago, mm -hmm. and the entire gay movement was always about equality. Harvey Milk, the everything. It was with that. always mm -hmm. about equality. Let us have equal rights. Make sure that we don't have to go to underground bars yep. to meet people, and let us get married. If I want to be miserable and married like the rest of you, I I have that right. It's an old joke, but it always works. Thank you. Um, that's what it was about. And the problem is Chris Rock has a great line about this in one of his stand-up specials from 20 years ago. The cops need a certain amount of crime. And that's basically what the activists need. So the gays got equality. That's all you ever wanted. Hmm. You're equal. Do whatever the hell you want. You're an equal member of society. Mm -hmm. Black people, you are equal. There are no laws punishing you. Women, you can vote. You are equal. No, we, we did it in America. And now, I think we did this about an hour ago, but we're just unearthing all of the bullshit. Musk, uh, Musk taking over Twitter hammer, before we do some call-ins. Before we take some call-ins, Musk taking over Twitter and, you know, WAPO coming out and saying, uh, you know, how uh, <laughs> this is bad for freedom of speech and they're saying what they're saying with their message. And then I texted uh, Seth Dillon this morning, Babylon B. I yeah. said, look, I saw your commentary, what you said, the fact that Musk called them up and said, hey, you know, are you sure you guys are being silenced? And yes, we are. And so it's okay, so let me see. And then he says, I may have to consider buying Twitter and but he can't comment on it. I was going to have him call in today. Big fan of yours as well. But uh, he's a great dude. Yeah, really good dude. Yeah. Uh, but so with what's going on today, with what's going on with Musk not taking over Twitter and what he's doing, what are the chances you think of a Babylon B being back on or a Trump being back on or some of these guys being back onto Twitter? What do you think? Well, let me add one other. I mean, you know that Tucker Carlson has been suspended for the last three weeks, basically, because he basically repeated the Babylon B line. He, mm -hmm. he just said something in effect that there are differences between men and women. So the largest, most viewed cable news host in the history of television has not been on Twitter in the last two weeks, three weeks, and nobody's even talking about that. So what are the chances? I would say they just upped. They just upped pretty significantly, probably 
probably 50% because Elon is not stupid, right? So he's obviously not stupid. He's basically the, the greatest uh, industrialist and genius and technologist that we have. He knew that by doing this, it was going to open up that door for all of those questions. What the real, the real one is about Trump, right? Because that's where this all leads. You can throw Babylon B back on there. You can get Tucker back on there. Uh, you can put Roger Stone or whoever else, a sitting member of Congress, Marjorie Taylor Greene is not on there. You can put all those people, but it all comes down to Trump. So Elon did something here with that in mind. And I don't know what the answer to that is. Let me tell you, if he does come back on, if Trump does come back on, there's going to be uh, a lot of people that will be upset who started their own social media companies, who were relying on that, including himself, because it's Truth Network. Yeah, so remember right. that SPAC that was a four or five billion dollar, you know, and, and yeah, you had Black, a conversation. Black. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so there's a lot of guys that, uh, uh, you know, are complaining about Truth Network having a lot of issues and challenges. I can't get on. I can't do this. I can't do that. So I'm mm -hmm. But if Trump comes back on, where's the argument? So. Twitter bringing Trump back on may help the valuation of Twitter. So the investors may sit there and say, we can't say we support this decision publicly, but privately in our bank account, we support this decision. You know, mm -hmm. good move right there, Musk, for helping us make you're, another. You're basically but saying but think about this. Think about how more complex it is than that. Because, okay, so let's say they put Trump back on. Well, Apple won't let truth in the app store right now. So that because it's about Trump. So oh, if Trump, they, yes. Oh my God. So now Good you have point. a much bigger problem yeah. because the real gatekeeper is the Good app store, point. not not one platform. Wow. And right. then the other piece of this is remember remember how they coordinate. So when Trump got kicked off all of those things, it all happened within about six hours. It was like he's off Pinterest and Spotify. He can't listen to music and he can't put recipes up anymore and all of those <laughs> things. And I I want to I, I think I asked him on my show, so he won't he wouldn't have a problem repeating this. I asked Teal about this. Like, how do these guys make their decisions? How is it possible that everyone makes the exact same decision at the and basically his argument is that they're all just cowards like they just someone makes a decision then everyone else is like okay let's just make a decision so if if elon does it and now they let twitter back on now apple now it's on tim cook tim cook has to make a decision right do we let them is do we have to remove twitter now from the app store <laughs> and then then that goes then to facebook and instagram and everywhere else so this is but Elon knew what he was doing. He's not stupid, right? So something is really shifting. He, jo he right joked now. about buying Facebook yesterday, but Facebook is way too big. It's not yeah. the same size as uh, as Twitter. But his next move of picking up CNN, if he buys CNN <sighs> and Twitter, it's going to be a whole different story. By the way, do we have some callers or no? Yeah, John's got, got some John's callers. John's got some callers. Okay, John, uh, uh, tell us who you have as some callers who got questions specifically for our guest Dave Rubin. Yes, we have Philip on the line. Philip, how you doing? Hi, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Philip Richter from the Cayman Islands. How's everyone doing today? Fantastic. All I right, love the Cayman right. Islands. So tell us, what's on your mind? What's on my mind? In your opinion, what is the best way to have conversations on polarizing topics? In my experience, everyone likes to cut you off mid-sentence and say you're wrong and use some facts they heard on Twitter. But in my opinion, that just furthers the divide at a time when we need to come together. So I'd like to hear your thoughts. I mean, it's partly you do this. What we can do. You do what we're doing right now. You know, it's like, obviously, I know I know a certain amount about you guys. You know a certain amount about me. And then you kind of do the dance and you figure out some things and we'll do it again. And I'll have you guys on my show and we'll chat about all this stuff. I think having doing it over a drink helps. <laughs> doing it, doing it. In tequila for me. What, what's your drink of choice? You seem like a scotch. Guy. I'm an old fashioned guy. You, you're not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw it. OK. Yeah. Um, I think that helps, you know, not doing it on social media is really the answer. We're, we're, it made us less social. We thought it was going to make us more social. We're 20 years in. It made us more neurotic and crazy and all of that stuff. 
uh, trying to actually sit with someone and give them the benefit of the doubt. But I get it. It's hard. I, the question's right. It's like they end up yelling at you. Just be a little bit better than the guy sitting across from you. And if you do that, then maybe he tries to do it. Next thing you know, you've you know, you really scaled this thing up. Here's, here's what I would do, Philip. I'll give you my feedback. So I came up when I first uh, uh, started paying attention to politics and started questioning things. Um, I did a show with uh, KRLA back in the day. It's called Saving America. This is in 2009, 2010 in Glendale. It was, I was, uh, uh, my studio was there. Then it was uh, Prager was here, uh, Hugh Hewitt, uh, Peg, uh, Beck. Everybody was on KRLA back in the days. And uh, one day, Beck uh, uh, does an announcement endorsement for us, and we do this video. I showed this at this event in the Burbank Hotel. And next thing you know, I'm thinking this announcement's going to be big because back then Beck was big. And, you know, Fox, not that he's not big today, but he was like, he was, yeah. he was Tucker. Before Tucker, yeah. it was oh, Beck, yeah. right? And uh, he had this thing. He talked about the four E's, education, entrepreneurship, enlightenment, all these things he talked about. So I make the announcement. My San Francisco office comes up to me. Straight. They're both straight, but they came up to me. Uh, we're going to have to leave. Why is that? Because we don't align ourselves with Beck and our office. We have to shut it down. I lost that entire office in Northern California when they came up to me. So then I lost another office. I'm like, okay, interesting. Uh, I didn't know this was going to take place, but fine. Let me go see another step I'm going to take. So what I started doing, Philip, that's, that you're asking this question is, Rather than making statements until it's uh, worldly known who you are or your community knows who you are, ask questions. Hey, this site says this. That site says this. What do you think about this? Yeah, hey, true. I noticed the other day Tucker said this, but I noticed Maddow said this. Who do you agree with? Both didn't make a lot of sense to me. Hey, I saw my mom say this. My dad says this. What do you think about it? Then let people debate and have their own discourse. And generally, when we talk out loud and we're having a debate, we will generally, common sense will lead to a conclusion. And then from there, you know, you got what you got going on there. They'll, they'll make up their minds for themselves. Mm -hmm. Don't come across like, I've, I never like when people would come across and, well, let me tell you, Jesus did. It's not my style. My style was, listen, let me tell you, I was skeptical. Here's what I was. I went to church. Why don't you come and find out for yourself, see if it works out for you. That approach is more, okay, I'm willing to rather than forcing stuff down people's throats. Let's see if we can get two more callers in if we got another one. John, do you have another one ready outside of Philip? Yes, Daryl. Daryl, how are you, Daryl? Hey, can you hear me? I can. Where are you based out of? I am based out of PA. Fantastic. What part? Uh, like Lehigh Valley. Okay. You want cool. his personal phone number? You can I call do. Yeah. Later. <laughs> no, he texted me right now. I told him to call yeah. in. So is that you, Daryl? Uh, for Dave is I'm a Democrat. My question is how would he define uh, the principles of the modern right, because it seems like increasingly in this country, it's just basically the left versus the anti-left. And there's no really foundational like ideology or anything of people who are just anti-left. It seems like they're libertarian one day and then yep. they're on Tucker the next day. So what exactly would he define the principles of uh, the modern right to be? It's a great question. It's actually very much what my book is about. And it's in certain ways what I'm really devoting my life to now. What I talked about earlier about, okay, you've got the sort of disaffected liberals, you've got the libertarians, you've got these religious conservatives. How can you bring all these people together? So he's asking about like, what are the foundational mm -hmm. ideas? Very simply, individual rights, number one. Individual rights. Everyone that is here legally is treated absolutely the same under the law. And then from individual rights, 
then you can sort of extrapolate that up where states' rights matter more than the federal government, that everything should be as local as possible. The government should basically be out of your way, and you have to make some decisions for yourself. And then on the social stuff where, where say, some people on the right don't agree with me, I'm not going to force them to do anything. They're entitled to their religious liberty, and they can't force me to do anything. And if we can basically just, I mean, the real answer is just go back to the founding documents. That's it. Go back to the founding documents. It's all there. They did it. They were a lot better than all of us, and they did it. It's there, and if we turn back to that, we'll be all right. Daryl, are you still on? John, do we still have Daryl on or no? I'm curious. No, he's gone. Oh, can we? Can Daryl, if you're listening, can you call back in? Can you call back in? Because i got a question for you. Uh, John, when sometime we get a caller, let, let's keep him on in case there's a follow. We can keep him muted. But uh, if if Daryl, you're 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 uh, uh, if you're able to call back on, I got a question for you. Here's my question he's on, for. He's on now. Okay, Daryl, can you hear me? Daryl's back. Sure. Daryl, what do you do for a living? What business are you in? I'm in tech. You're in tech. Uh, what part of tech? So, are you an engineer yourself? What do you do? Uh, I work in like IT. I'm an analyst. Okay. What school did you go to? Penn State. Penn State. Okay. Uh, and when you were in high school, who were you in high school? Like who? Like what who did were I you? Do? Were you the geek? Were you the athlete? Were you the cool guy? Were you part yeah, of the chess the club? Were you okay? What sport did you play? I was a runner. Uh, uh, so, so uh, coming up as a kid, growing up, at what point did you know which side you were on politically? What, like, if you were to say, Pat, I was 15 years old. I had a conversation with my dad. I had a conversation with my teacher. What was that defining moment where you kind of are like, I think I'm a Democrat. I think I'm a Republican. Yeah, I would say my uh, AP U.S. history class and, you know, just discussing things. And, um, you know, I that was around the time Obama was running for his second term. So I was I was, uh, you know, definitely trying to weigh the issues. But okay, can you tell me about your AP U.S. history class uh, professor? Tell me uh, what this professor, you know, what who he or she was like. Yeah, she was I would say she was a moderate because she would show um, a little some clips of people um, like, you know, uh, on Fox News. But she would also show like clips of the West Wing. So we kind of got an even balance. So what do you Uh, think would have happened if that professor of yours was a guy named Thomas Sowell? I think I actually think it would have been I think I probably would have been more to the right. But I'm someone who looks at because I know who Thomas is, but I but I look at kind of both sides. So whatever someone says, I kind of try to find the opposite. Have you ever voted for somebody on the right? I have voted for someone on the right, <laughs> although they're not considered on the right anymore. But would it be a president or was it like more of a senator or a Congress or a mayor or uh, something else? It was a presidential primary. It was a presidential primary. Okay, uh-huh. got it. So they wouldn't be considered someone on the right to them. I'm curious who that person would someone be. Someone that went left? So, could, John Kasich. Okay, Kasich. John, wow. okay. Right. perfect. Okay, so I, I can see that. I remember John Kasich at one point. Yeah. He had some momentum. Okay. But they banished him. Yeah, fully get it. So, yeah. so tell me why you're a Democrat today. I'm curious. Sure. I think that Democrats are, I think in the Democratic Party, there's more room for debate. Like, in my opinion, um, you know, there are plenty of left-wing people that I listen to, like, you know, secular talk and people like that. And it feels like you can critique Democratic presidents versus the right. It feels like if you say anything about Trump, then you don't really have an audience on the right. Anything negative won't. Okay, let's unpack that. Let's unpack that. So tell me why you think the uh, Democrats are more open-minded and tolerant than those on the right. Tell me why. Like, give me examples of it. Like, give me an example of Rachel Maddow inviting Trump over or 
Rachel well, Maddow inviting DeSantis I think, over? I or... think the I think really when you because I don't really like corporate media. I think they're all like hacks. <laughs> I think CNN and MSNBC are the tank for Democrats and Fox is just a Republican. But I'm saying even I watch a lot of independent media and I've noticed that a lot of independent media on the left is able to say, like, I didn't like Obama's drone strikes or I didn't like this versus it seems like the right independent media. Um, I wouldn't consider you obviously right, but I'm talking about political media is more like, OK, Fox News is not supporting Trump enough and Trump, Trump, Trump. I mean, if you look at people like, you know, Shapiro and Bongino and you know, uh, people like that in Hannity, they basically just support whatever Trump does versus I felt that the left wing media is able to criticize uh, both Democrats and Republicans. OK, fair enough. So, Daryl, what would you say is a woman? What would I say is a woman? What's a woman? A woman is defined by the um, gamete. So if she has eggs, she's a woman. If okay. if if there is, you know, sperm present, then it's a man. How how can how how is it that to me what you just said is very logical, right? Mm-hmm. We learned this in ninth grade or tenth grade when we took biology or life science, right? How sure. is it that the left has a hard time saying the Democrats has a hard time repeating what you just said after a basic question was asked of somebody of what is a woman that uh, that is about to be a Supreme Court justice? And when asked what a woman is, she couldn't answer that. And the Democrat, the media that you're talking about, they defended her saying she's got a good point. Well, I think I think there are two different things. I think she's qualified more than other people in terms of her. That's not my question, though. But that's not but, my question, though. That's not um, the question. I actually don't agree with Democrats on that. Um, okay. You know, I think the trick. I think the tricky thing is that um, even Democrats who you know think think like I do, they want to be supportive of of the uh, trans community. They want to be supportive of the trans community. Okay, yeah. so even people will agree with what I say. So, 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 so then, so then, this this is the disconnect for me. This is where I have a challenge with it. This is sure. where I they lose me. Okay, I I'm lost the moment you have to blindly support anything that's on the left, and you no longer say that just doesn't make any sense. What are we talking about? Do you know the first time where we've all had the conversation of what a woman is was four weeks ago? Do you know the first time where we've questioned that question was four weeks ago? How How, how is that even a topic where, no, 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 no. Yeah, she's got a point, and she's just, this is not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a biology doctor, and I can't even answer that question. So for me, when you say open-minded, or for me, when you say tolerant, um, I don't know if you will see the folks on, on the other side, on the side that you're representing yourself, seem the last, especially five years, maybe the last eight years, they don't seem too tolerant. I'm a guy that came from a a democratic background. My mother is a communist. My dad was an imperialist, but I grew up being a Democrat. I'm a Clinton guy. I grew up, I'm like, okay, these guys are for everybody. These guys are for helping everybody else out. Do you know Exxon had the most profitable uh, quarter they've ever had in the history of Exxon? Why? Based on policies that seem like it's going to help the left and it's going to help the middle and low income families, but it only helps the rich. Do you know all this printing of money to give more money to low and middle income families who it ended up helping the most? The rich got richer and the poor got poorer. Do you know all these policies that seem like they're so noble, they're so honorable, let's help these people out, they keep hurting the people that need it the most? Do you know the whole thing with cops, let's defund the police, that was a campaign that went viral on that side, political side that went viral? Do you know who is begging for more cops? People who live in low income families. People who live in middle-income families. 
higher class, upper class families are not asking yeah. for more cops. They're going to be totally fine. So for me, as much as I want to sit there, and you, you seem like a very educated guy. You seem like a guy that you went to school, Penn State. You had a professor that helped out. You had all that stuff that happened to you. But it just seems like sometimes these arguments that you listen to, eventually common sense wins. And for someone well, like you, go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, and I even think with the police, that's a complicated issue because you can want more police, and I don't want to get super political, but, um, and I think people want more police, but people want police to be prosecuted. And my issue even with the right on the police is the right basically took a, police are never to be questioned. Yeah. And, then with they, and then when they started rounding up people in Canada, then all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, I can't believe these police are enforcing these laws. And it's like, how are you only critical of the police when it's affecting people like you? Like if you supported the trucker convoy yeah. um, and them pushing back against the government, then you then you should have been there two years ago when people were pushing back I, against the government. So did you want to say know. so? So, he, he, but but let me kind of put it back on you. I agree, but I also agree bad teachers should be fired, and they shouldn't have tenure. I also agree bad teachers should be fired and great teachers need to get a big raise. I also believe it's, un, uh, it's not fair that teachers have this uh, card they can use that they can't be fired, they can't be touched. So, so this can continue and that can be the same conversation that bad cops should be fired. Bad cops yeah. should be going to jail. Bad cops should be, you know, if they're using that as a power to get money. So don't, but don't, what you just said right there, that's not a right thing. That's not a right thing that, hey, meaning that's a... Republican thing or a Democratic thing. That's just that city, and that doesn't apply to every single city and every single community we're talking about. But a guy like you, is it fair to say that you make six figures plus? That you do pretty okay for yourself? Um, I make. I would say I make uh, high five figures. I don't make six figures plus. But you're doing good for yourself. You're gonna get there, Daryl. But you're doing good for yourself. I'll get there. Okay. Well, Daryl, first of all, I appreciate you for being able to have this exchange and the conversation. And by the way, is this the first time listening to the podcast or you've listened to the podcast? No, I actually listened and (laughs) Dave's not going to like this. I listened for, uh, I mean, I like some of what Will Witt says in terms of some of the uh, Christian stuff, but I also listened last week for uh, Jenk. Uh, okay. because well, Dave he likes actually, that too. I, yeah. he crit- yeah. I like these guys. Can I ask Daryl one quick question? Yeah. I know we gotta go. go. Hey, Daryl, how old are you again? I'm 26. Okay, cool. Um, and you're saying that you're a Democrat. Do you, are most of your friends just like you, or is it more of a diversity of opinion amongst your friends? Uh, most of my friends are Democrats, or they're that weird space where they're like kind of like I guess like Roganites, where they're kind of like okay. Apolitical, but like not MAGA people. So well, a lot of people here's, on here's my, my that are my friends are kind of like the Rogan. Make it quick because yeah. I got to get him. Just to like Dave said, journal types. Just like Dave said about having conversations. Why don't you have like a, a weekly, monthly, whatever meeting with your friends and have those open discussions and debates and check back with us a month N- and see if there's any common. Uh, Answers, and, with, and not uh, only that, record it and put yeah, it on a podcast yeah, or yeah. YouTube. Because Daryl, I got to tell you, I've enjoyed my conversation yeah, with you. I've enjoyed my yeah. conversation with you, and I appreciate you getting on to listen to both sides. If you listen to mm-hmm. Wilwood and Chenk, appreciate you for coming on. But Daryl, I got one big recommendation for you. You ready for this one? Sure. Whatever you do, go buy this book called "Don't Burn This Country." That's coming out <laughs> next week. And folks, if you listen to everything we talked about and you liked it, if you said, "Man, this was great." You got to go buy this book. We're going to put the link. We'll put it in the comment section as well as in the chat box section so they can find it. Be one of the first to order this book. Uh, and uh, Dave, I got to tell you, man, I've really enjoyed it. 
I'm looking forward to seeing you guys play basketball. I'll come and be a cheerleader <laughs> or a referee. And I'm looking forward to thanks. that dinner will happen. Daryl, thanks for the calling, buddy. Can I just say, and I'm not blowing smoke up any of your butts. This was seriously like the most two hours of enjoyment that I've had in a long time. I do a lot of these. Obviously, you guys all do a lot of these. You have something so good here. What you just did for those last five minutes, like that's your opus right there. That That is your thing. You just did that so well, effectively. And you answered your own question from two hours ago about how do we do this thing. That's it, man. I, I appreciate I, that. Thank yeah, you. Thank, thank you. you thank you. Thank you, brother. Once again, appreciate you for coming out. This right was on. fantastic. Uh, this afternoon, we have Andrew Yank coming to the office. Four uh, o'clock, Andrew Four o'clock. And then tomorrow, we got Joe Jorgensen. 9 a.m. That's going to be here at 9 a.m. Uh, we will see you there. I know it's yeah. not the typical time at 9 o'clock, but we'll see you there. And Four Dave, uh, 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 great having you on. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.